Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what the thickest double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome in. Welcome back, everybody. I hope everybody had time off, time with family, time with friends. Time to recharge those batteries and chill out. I was telling the guys in here, and uh, I was reluctant to do so today. I almost just rolled in here. But I have not had a shirt on since September. Check that. Since Saturday. Uh, it would be until September, but since Saturday, I have not had a shirt on, and it has been fantastic. Fantastic. I'll tell you what. Vacations are great. There's no doubt about it. But you can also find a great deal of satisfaction and recharging the batteries just by hanging out and doing whatever you want to in and around the house with family and friends. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can do it that way. Nah, good weekend it really was, too. I miss being on here, miss talking with you. I have a great gift to give away. Great. Yeah, I mentioned this on Friday's show. We were up at the Indy 11 training facility, and I had mentioned this, and I get to give a shout-out to the Goreman, Jeffrey Gorman, who came up with this prize. I will tell you about that and then tell you ways that you can win. What we're going to do is I'm going to uh, – we're going to find some qualifiers on the phones later on today. I'll explain to you how you do that. Now, it's it's kind of like what we normally do with concert tickets, uh, but th- this is such a fantastic prize that we're going to give away to you. It's uh, airfare, round trip to Boston, transportation, hotel accommodations, July the 15th. It is the Jim Ursay Collection at the TD Garden in Boston. And uh, I have a pair that we will give away, and we're going to get some qualifiers over the course of the afternoon here. Actually, for the next three days, we'll draw for it on Monday, but for the next three days, we shall grab some qualifiers. It's just us trying to give back. I mean, really what you do, you kind of merge the best, don't you? You merge sports and music together. Hell yeah. Can I get a hell yeah? A lot of former Colts players get to be up there. Uh, Former... 
From what I was told, Patriots players will be up there. That's going to be a hell of a mixture. You know, I've never been to Boston. Uh, We're going to give somebody the opportunity to qualify to go on that trip coming up a little bit later on this afternoon. I will give you all that is included to try to get yourself qualified for that the chance to win that again we'll draw coming up on monday and a shout out to the colts for putting that together and the Goreman for putting that together and then utilizing this show and doing so you know oftentimes this time of year it is relatively slow goings right and that is something that will spark a great deal of interest because we're talking uh i think vince gill's been on the road with the eagles he's a part of it uh, Kevin Crone and Ario Speedwagon's a part of it. This is the one that just absolutely blows my mind because they never see this dude anywhere. Peter Wolf. Uh, Peter Wolf of Jay Giles' band. Peter Wolf of being solo. But just an incredible list of musicians, singers, songwriters, everything for you. TD Garden. And I'll tell you how you can win coming up a little bit later on. Kind of a, it's a, a gift from the Colts through me to you, right? I'm in there somewhere. I just want to see you guys have a little bit of fun, and hopefully you had a great deal of fun over the weekend. I was thinking about a lot of things. In terms of the Pacers, we'll start right there. Dustin DePurak is going to join us in the 4 o'clock hour. I thought... And correct me if I'm wrong. I have said all along, I want the Pacers to give themselves a shot in the now. But if you're still working for the long-term future to try to make that happen, then work for it. Right? It's almost like that saying, have your cake and eat it too. Although, I mean, listen, they didn't make the postseason last year. There wasn't any cake. They had cake in December. But there was not any cake. There was no dessert offered at the end of the year and we've become accustomed to this remember our old saying used to be it really does suck when the pacers aren't in the postseason because it's such a great time of year especially around here when you have something to legitimately deep in your fabric root for and it just seems like it's been forever because it's been forever so this is kind of the ultimate what i was talking about here you go out And you create with the long term in mind while trying to, at the moment, cobble together something that can get you sparked in the present. It's not like one of these old school, long ass rebuilds and it's the process, right? That's what it felt like to me. I'm curious what it felt like to you. I admit this, when they first went after Bruce Brown, and again, that was at the tail end of the show on Friday when we were up in Westfield, but when they went after Bruce Brown, I kind of wondered with how many guards that they have, how that is going to work. And then when I saw the deal where it's, you know, a year and then a team option, I don't mind that. Again, you're going to play for the now, but you also have your eyeballs long-term for the future. I've said this all along. I don't have time to wait around. I want to get the winning going, expedite the winning. I'm all for not compromising the future, but let's get that winning going a little bit. 
And a lot of you are so much younger than me, and I love our younger listening audience. That's great. I'm 53. I know I act like I'm 13. I feel like I'm 33. Actually, some days I feel like I'm 73. Today, I feel like I'm 33. I think it depends on the route in which I take, if you know what I mean, on a daily basis. (laughs) I took a good route today. But seriously, I don't think you compromise the future by also trying to get something done in the now with long since star fans. And you can't tell me that especially the two professional teams in this market just don't work you over. You get sick and tired of losing. You've almost gotten used to it again. Believe me, we go way back. This is why I'm here to make sure that everybody fully understands of the younger generation that just didn't grow up when the Pacers were, for example, in the finals in 2000. Or even during the the disappointment of what ultimately was, you know, the Ron Artest, Jermaine O'Neal era. And then they restart with Paul George and going to a couple of Eastern Conference finals. And then the Colts, it was just a foregone conclusion with Manning. Yeah, you're going to win 11 games. And we're going to find something else to gripe about around here. But it has been a long time and a lot of losing. So I thought all along, I'm fine if they can find a way. I mean, develop a path where you can take take advantage of some winning in a core group that's exciting and fun to watch. They are. They're exciting and fun to watch. They can score really with anybody. They can't guard a lot of people, but they can score with anybody. And that part is fun. Yeah, the part that stinks is when you put up 135, and that's great. Hey, 135, and you give up 140. That's the part that stinks. And again, I'm not suggesting this is going to be, you know, any huge step forward as far as getting deep into a postseason or anything like that. If you look around nationally, you get an interesting combination here. You get an interesting combination of, well, those that just don't care about the Pacers, right? And and then others that are looking at what everybody else has done. All the NBA writers nationally, so far, what the NBA teams have done when they gauge what they think has been the best, I mean, it's been moves like Chris Paul to Golden State. I go, I, I understand that is playing for the now. That is playing championship level for the now. But these teams have been doing that forever. So nobody nationally is really going to say, well, I really like what the Pacers are doing. But I feel as if I understand it. And I think this is something that I've talked about a number of times here where you can try to win. Again, not at the highest of clips, but you can try to win more. And then have your long-term eye. You can look at the future. You can believe in what you had started last year. Yet you don't compromise the so-called rebuild or reboot. Now you're just trying to win, trying to create some excitement. I know a lot of you, if you're anti, you're going to go, well, it's Bruce Brown and it's Obi Toppin. You know, how much is that going to help? Well, we'll see. But I don't mind the fact that 
both of these type of guys come without a great deal of risk. I mean, when you think about it, in the now, there's not a lot of risk there. I mean, you might be renting a player and topping. You got him for a couple of second rounders. I sit here all the time and talk about, you know, second rounders and, you know, and uh, draft assets and crap like that. And, and draft assets, that's what they did. Good. I know he was a disappointment in New York. You know, one year to see if you can fit in with this group. And then what you also did so far is you locked in your guy long-term. You locked him in. And believe me, you never say never. Because I'm sure it was said before. I mean, hell, it was probably said about Paul George around here. There came a point in time when he wanted to say, I got to go. Get me up out of here. You never thought Victor Oladipo would be that way. And that's what happened, whether or not he was just kind of Riding with a friend that wasn't so much of a friend type of stuff, but that's what happened. I'm sure people in Portland never thought that Damian Lillard probably thought he was going to be there forever for a long period of time, and especially when C.J. McCollum was dealt. And they broke up that backcourt. But it appears to me that the Pacers, you're going with low-risk opportunities to be more competitive this year and more competitive gets you into postseason and you get into the postseason you get somebody hot i mean miami was a great point with that again i know that they had jimmy butler and i'm not suggesting they don't have talented guys but they got into the postseason got hot and it was incredibly fun to watch even if you're like me and you hate miami the team not so much the destination the fans certainly not so much the destination but Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin, again, that's not going to make headlines anywhere across the NBA landscape. They're too busy staring at what Phoenix has done, you know, with their three, four big-time contract guys and then spreading the wealth and hoping to find do- – I mean, hell, I'm probably on the end of their bench. You're probably on the end of their bench. Or Chris Paul going to Golden State or Porzingis and that curious thought going to Boston. You know, just kind of living in the now with that. Or what's going on with, with Philly moving forward here? What's going to happen to James Harden and what the Clippers are trying to do? Oh, yeah. Don't forget about the Lakers. So, again, this thing is not going to be nationally on anybody that covers the NBA's radar much. But I do get it here. I do get that. And we'll see because the ultimate appetizer is what they do with it. So you don't really know. But when they were going about their business, I will admit on Friday I was going, okay, so what are they doing with this right here? And then, especially when he ended up getting topping what you got for topping, you're just going to take a chance. You got talented dudes that have occasionally shown it. And really Brown showed that in big moments. And see if they can mix together with the core that showed you signs last year. I still don't know if they're going to be able to guard anybody. And they still have a lot of roster situations to move around and figure out here. But I kind of felt I was on board with that. 
thought, okay, they're, they're going for the now right here. And you know what? If the now doesn't work out, then you can eject from the now without too much of a penalty. And then go another avenue. Kind of makes sense to me. Hey, you stay flexible. All these are terms that you hear when a team is losing and trading for draft picks and second rounders and the end of the first round and, you know, all this long wording stuff that's on a scroll that some lawyer has to figure out and tell you and you know, interpret for you. It's what it seems like that they were doing over the weekend. And I do want to talk with you about that. Dustin DePurak will join us. Again, it's not going to make headlines, but I can see what they're trying to do right now. Trying to make it exciting. I don't know. Maybe I'm caught in the middle. I'm caught in the midst of a couple of things here, right? And I'm kind of caught, you know, kind of trying to compare that. And again, it is such a loose comparison. Don't take it literally here. But trying to make the comparison to Miami. And maybe this also has to do a little bit with the baseball team I'm watching right now. And again, who knows long-term how much this is going to be real with what they have there. But what they have in the moment and the now is something awesome to watch and a reason why, if you're a Reds fan or not, you just go, they find different ways to win. And again, I mentioned cobbling something together. They've cobbled together some dudes that are doing it for them every single night, every single day. You know, maybe you do kind of, let's say, fall in love. This would be more like lust. Because normally I'd be up here going, oh, man, here goes Nick Crawl again. All right, nerd watch number one. Yeah, great. And now, like, he'd like to say, all right, how many of you out there call me a nerd? Because <laughs> this looks pretty damn good. And he's right. He's right. I kind of equate it to that. I mean, a team that you don't expect too much out of in an offseason, you didn't expect anything out of. And, man, they are working some magic of interest right now. And the Pacers did that in a fleeting moment a year ago. They're trying to play off of that more so than anything. And that's the part that I got. I know people have said, well, did they take that big swing? Like, they didn't take the the major big-name swing, but I think they took a really educated guess and are trying to stay flexible and are wanting to grow and mature being led by Tyrese Halliburton that they trust, and he's now going to be locked in for, what, four or five years? I think we can all see what they're doing here. You know, oftentimes you don't really know, how, what are they doing? So what I felt on Friday again with Bruce Brown. I go, okay, I don't know what they're doing here. Now it makes a little bit more sense. Again, a lot of stuff to figure out on this roster. And this is not like that they're going to land. Not all of a sudden is anybody going to suggest they're going to be a top four. But to be competitive, be competitive for the postseason. I know it's much easier to make the postseason now, but be competitive for the postseason and see if you can find something at the end of the year. See if you can find something that will match your offense. Because offense, they got no problems. 
And again, if things go haywire, then all of a sudden we go, oh, here we go again, and you start ripping on them, and then there are things they can do. I mean, you've got a reversible jacket on. Know what I mean? I mean, you really can. You can change things up without a great deal of punishment and angst. Part I get. Uh, we can discuss that if you like at 239 I'm just kind of curious if you think of the same thing. Kind of how it felt to me over the weekend. Now, this is what I was talking about. Yeah, just try to be good right now. Yeah, especially if you don't compromise the future, okay. Try to be good right now. I don't know what I expect out of Toppin. I don't know what I expect out of Brown. I think collectively with this group, though, it can add. I mean, you got dudes out there playing for something now, too. I mean, you do. You you put a price tag. I mean, you're, you're dangling a carrot either here or someplace else. This is what you can do, especially in terms of Toppin. If you have anything whatsoever that you can put together and you can sustain it, now's the time. I don't know. Then you get out of all that mess in New York. Well, in New York, they hold them accountable. I mean, a lot of that stuff is just a-holic. You know that. I mean, I got to see something new every day. Who's that That fat dude? I don't know. He does something. He's just ripping the Mets every day. And I'm going to say, dude, you're going to give yourself a stroke. <laughs> you're going to give yourself a stroke. And nothing's going to change the fact that this team that you love sucks. Like, they don't do this and they don't do that. My man, they haven't done it for a month. That's what happens. Now, I don't mind the flexibility. I don't mind the path that they took. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if they're done. Going to have some interesting dates. I'm assuming that nothing is going to be etched in stone, and certainly nothing is going to be etched in stone as they approach the trade deadline. But if things are going well and you're having some fun with it, for example, if you like the Cincinnati Reds and there's a bit of an oh wow factor right there, what the hell? Go out and do something. Lance McAllister is going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. The big one, 700 WLW in Cincinnati. Um, uh, I think he does the uh, red spree and post over there, too. And I'm going to ask him, as we approach the Major League Baseball trade deadline, the activity that he would expect from the Reds. I'm going to tell you, they find ways, and I guess we all deserve it, don't we? I mean, we deserve more than this happening in June and early July. But I think as a Reds fan, you deserve it. I mean, look how it paid off for the Bengals fans. I mean, hell, they waited two decades for anything. I mean, anything whatsoever other than being a laughing stock. And now they're at the top of the list as far as, all right, who's going to make the Super Bowl? The Bengals are right there. Ah, But the Reds, the Reds yesterday, fun to watch get another win over the Nationals. I know it's the Nationals. I, I think by now they've proven themselves. The only thing they haven't proven is, and that's only going to come with time, is how long-lasting, how sustainable this is. I, I guess in terms of how real is it? 
Because if you remember, we go all the way back with the Reds, and when they first they started out, you know, that 12-game win streak, and they were beating, you know, in an extra inning or beating late the crappy Royals. I was excited about that because I really get the opportunity to get excited, and then it really got fascinating. It's a young core, grow together, see what they can do. I was in the pool yesterday, and I was trying to explain it. And you guys help me out on this. You guys can help me out. We need a new segment here. Um, was JMV <laughs> smart or too drunk? That's what it is. When I made the comparison, the comparison. When I made the comparison yesterday of this young Reds group to that young group, including Altuve and Correa and Bregman with the Astros. That's a good, like that, James, you want to do something with that? New segment called Fact or Too Drunk. (laughs) Because I may have been slurring my words a little bit. But I, I thought that that was fact. That's kind of what it feels like. He didn't know who Alex Bregman was when he first came up, and all of a sudden the dude started raking. And really, the Astros have been through a couple of cycles. It seems like once they got on board with it, they've gone through a couple of cycles. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, injuries can always derail anything you have going on. And certainly to a degree it has. Not taking away their competitive nature or game or winability or any crap like that but I mean it does it does take away from how dominant you can be no doubt and you know the Reds they've had a lot of guys show stuff but let's face it I mean we're Reds fans and you just kind of wait and see if this is all real fact or too drunk I'm going to play that with Lance McAllister, bottom of the hour. Dustin DePurak's going to join us from the star. We'll talk about those Pacers moves over the weekend coming up here in the 4 o'clock hour. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, too, Kevin Bowen's going to be with us. All right, coming up during the show, I'm going to leave this to three bands, and here's the reason why. Peter Wolf, Solo or Jay Giles, Ario Speedwagon, And we'll do the Eagles because I think Vince Gill has been on tour with the Eagles. I think Vince Gill was also with Pure Prairie League. So I'll go ahead and put Pure Prairie League in there. I think that was Vince Gill, right? Pure Prairie League. See, that's uh, that's a JMV 88 tough territory. Pure Prairie League sends me back to Vincennes University 1988 a little bit. That's a tough one. That's one I got to stop and think about for a second. I got to give it a tick. So, any of those bands that I mentioned, when you hear a re-entry from any of them, you're cue to call number nine, and we'll get your name, get all your stats, and we will put you in there as a qualifier for this trip to Boston. Again, July the 15th, thank you, Jeffrey Gorman, the Gorman. Thank you, the Colts, Jim Irsay, Jim Irsay Collection, TD Garden in Boston, July the 15th, featuring Kevin Cronin, Vince Gill, Peter Wolf, and I'm going to try my damnedest not to say pure Prairie League. At least a lot without thinking about it a great deal. I'll give you a chance to win, or at least to qualify to win, 
when you hear a re-entry from any of those aforementioned bands or groups, musicians, solo artists, all of it. Somebody's going to win. Again, thank you to the Gorman and thank you to the Colts for that. 239-1070 is the number. The email address, jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, I'll go ahead and uh, link up with everybody in there coming up in just a second. Uh, we got the stream, the app, HD radio, and your calls. If you're on hold, I'll get back to you. I see Donk and Cameron lurking. And Lance McAllister is going to explain to us what is real and directionally what to expect from the surprise first place in the NL Central Cincinnati Reds. From the big one, Lance McAllister joins us next. With JMV. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Trackside tonight at 7 o'clock. I'm going to give somebody the opportunity to qualify. The Jim Ursay Collection TD Garden, Boston, July the 15th. Vince Gill, Kevin Cronin, Peter Wolf, among other incredible and well-known musicians will be a part of this. And a shout-out to the Colts and the Goreman and to Jim Rose for setting this up on the show. But we'll have your hotel accommodations, round-trip airfare, transportation all set up for you to be a part of it. A lot of former Colts players, Hall of Famer Edron James will be there. Uh, many others, a lot of Patriots, former Patriots players will be there, too. It'll be a blast. Jim Irsay Collection, July the 15th in Boston at TD Garden. Listen to win, or at least listen for your chance to qualify coming up in just a bit. Also, Bourbon and Beyond tickets we're giving away, too. Shout out. Andy Moore on the Motive Group Hotline. Let's get him on here right now. We'll hear him on Extra Innings. you hear him on the big one, 700 WLW. Uh, does sports talk, everything Reds and Bengals, and is living large right now in the summertime as our friend Lance McAllister on the Andy Moore on the Motive Group Hotline. This is a hell of a summer, is it not? It really is. And, JMB, the thing that makes it so – so unbelievable is it's your classic out of left field. I mean, there's things that have yeah. built up to be great here. This is truly, in my lifetime, one of those, wait a minute, how is this happening right now? Because I, I think, truth be told, this organization, if you ask them with some truth serum, here, when do you think this window is really going to open and you can compete? I think they would have probably told you begrudgingly, well, don't tell the fans, but probably 2025, and it is happening right now. Since April the 24th, they're 40-24. and 24. That's the second best record in baseball. This isn't a one-week fluke. This isn't a road trip fluke. This is big. This is who they are right now. They're a damn good baseball team. It's Lance McAllister who is with us. I bring this up in terms of the Pacers, right? So the Pacers had a reboot last year, and they showed signs. For example, in December, got got everybody, including myself, excited. But I'm I'm okay with expediting the winning process as long as you're also not compromising the longer term plan. And that's what the Pacers are doing right now. I'm not trying to compare the two, but I just want to give you kind of this look of, is there a possibility, is there a way where you can still win, be better in the now without compromising the longer-term plan for this baseball team, Lance? 
It's the uh, it's the sixty four thousand dollar question. It's the question that Nick Kroll is balancing in his mind. I'm sure right now there's the theory of man, you know, you don't pick the year you're going to contend. The baseball gods pick you, yep. and they pick the Reds to contend this year. It is a weaker division than usual, but that's no. You know, still, the Reds are playing good baseball outside of the division. Um, I don't think they're. I think they've worked really hard to get to this point, and they have used the word a thousand times: sustained success. I don't think they're going to do that air quotes around the go-for-it moment. They're certainly not going to trade top prospects for a rental player or one starting pitcher. I think they're going to ride this until hopefully Hunter Green and Nicola Dolo come back early August, hopefully. Um, and, and maybe along the way, if they can add in a veteran starting pitcher that doesn't cost them a lot, if it comes from a second or third tier prospect, wouldn't be surprised to see them do that. But they are not going to jump and blow up a plan because so much of this is sustained success. And Nick Kroll took a lot of heat last year when he said, we want to eliminate the peaks and valleys. And, and people said, well, why would you want to eliminate the peaks? What yeah. he meant, though, was they, they just want consistent chance to win year in and year out and you don't do that as much as some fans say well trade for Scherzer or trade for Verlander you don't do that and you've worked so hard they, they reeled in 12 prospects last year at the trade deadline you don't do all of that so you can turn around and hand them off just to get a rental for this season if they if they win this division great I'll take my chances in the playoffs if they don't I, it may be an attitude a lot of fans don't want to hear uh, but I'm, I'm sorry, their wheels are in motion for something that's going to give them a shot next year and the following year and the following year and the following year. Well, you and I are old school. I don't want them to mark Langston this thing either. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's what we saw you know, Montreal do yeah. in the day for that rental. That was like a month. And, you know, they, they took a shot, but it didn't work out for them. I, I get where you're coming from there, too. It, it seems like sometimes this pitching staff is like MacGyvered together, too. Um, it's, <laughs> and, and the offense the offense can, can save the pitching staff here. And, again, these are things we don't know. I'm just going to ask you for your educated opinion here. Is that sustainable, the way that they have won that we have seen? I don't think it is because you're asking they in back-to-back days they've asked their bullpen to get 12 outs now they've been able to get the 12 outs but you just can't keep asking your bullpen uh, to do that they have used 50 players this year uh, already they have used uh, 21 different pitchers have a win this season eight different pitchers have a save um, it's just a musical chairs it's a it, we call it, we joke it's the express to Louisville they are they are doing what so many teams are doing in the quest to find young or, or fresh healthy arms they keep shuffling the triple a you can only do that for so long and i, I swear to you jmb the last five or six guy relievers they've called up from triple a they've used them for an inning or two in a night they've known they can't use them for the next two or three days they either send them right back down or they dfa them yeah. nobody claims them and they they assign them right back to triple a but you and i know everybody in baseball there's like 300 pitchers on the disabled list right now but you you just can't keep that going before you you have that crash and burn moment where you say oh crap a, a bullpen that is good when it's healthy is now just in in ruins right now and it's not reached that point it's come close a couple of times but they're able to to refresh them enough where they they're able to get through games and i think that's part of the mastery of david bell which he doesn't get nearly enough credit for around here i talked to spencer steer on the show last week and i said it seems like in in 
again, this is just my opinion that these guys are in a good place in really tough situations because most of them have never been at that level in those tough situations. So you don't know, you know, the the failure, uh, the feeling of failure right there. You don't know what it's like. You just kind of go headstrong into it, gas on, uh, gas on, foot on the pedal, and go. And he he talked about, yeah, I mean, we just we we kind of don't know what we don't know here. We just kind of yep. go for it, and so far it's worked out for us. Absolutely. It, it is such a young, energized team. And to think of a year ago where it was a slow plotting, hit home runs, go base to base. They put so much pressure on teams now with the youth and the athleticism. They just they, they already have 102, 101 stolen bases, which it, that last year they had 58 the entire season. I know everybody in baseball is stealing more bases, but it's not just stealing bases. It's going first to third on a single to right. It's scoring from second on a hit. Yeah. It's making outfielders bobble the ball when they're uh, running in to scoop it up. It's making pitchers throw pickoffs away. And it's all that youthful energy of we don't know what we don't know. And we're learning as we go and we're bonding together. Well, they've got Joey Votto into this as well as the old man of the group at 39. I don't know if you saw the, the postgame video of him two nights ago, but he's got his shirt untucked after the game. He's got his hat on backwards and he's joking, this is what the hip kids do now. And he says, I'm going to drink a fresca after the game and I'm going to go play PlayStation till 7 a.m. with Ellie because that's what the hip kids do. And he just it's, it's part of what uh, the quirkiness of Joey that's just fit in with a really young, energetic baseball team. These guys, and I asked Spencer this too, seemingly really get along. A lot of times you see that joy on the field and it doesn't translate to off it. It seems like that these guys have that double barrel action both on the field and off the field with how they get along with one another. Yeah, there's a lot of guys who have come up together. So they've ridden buses together. They've gone on long road trips together. Maybe they haven't won as much in the past down below because this system for a while was really bad when it came to, to winning teams and, and really uh, developing prospects. But they've got a group now that is so versatile. And David Bell, night to night, can mix and match. And it drives your old school fans crazy who want the same starting eight. That, that way left baseball years ago, as you know. It's mix and match. It's based on pitchers. It's based on matchups. He's got a guy like Jake Fraley who he can play against right-handers who hits 310. He sits him against left-handers because he's one for 28. He's got a guy like Nick Senzel who eats left-handers for breakfast. He plays against lefties, but he hits a buck 80 against righties, so he doesn't play him against righties. So it's the that grand idea of the manager's job is to put players in the best position to succeed. That's all well and good if you have those type of players. David does, and one night to the next, he just plugs him in. And if he doesn't use somebody early, he brings him off the bench late. Last two days, they have had catchers come off the bench. Tyler Stevenson had a pinch hit home run that was the winner two days ago. Luke Maley came off the bench and threw out the potential tying run stealing in the ninth. And it's that type of effort they're getting because guys, they don't get mad because they're not starting because they know the way this thing works. They're going to get an opportunity later in the game to, to produce, and they are. Hey, Lance, you think, um, are there any moves out there that would make sense to you at all or will they kind of just stay clear of this and be clean until both Lodolo and Green are eligible to come back? I, you know, for every fan who says, get this pitcher or what pitcher do you want? I say the better pitcher you want, the better prospect you're going to have to give up. And it's just, they're they're not going to do a rental for that. If they could find somebody, you know, Will Benson uh, was a a masterful trade by by Nick Crawl out of nowhere. Came from the Indians, Clayton Guardians, they gave up on him, didn't really have a spot for him. Uh, Reds traded for him uh, in early in the season in spring training, and they've gotten production out of a 25-year-old. I think if they could
could find your classic change of scenery, younger guy they could trade for maybe another team and say, you know what, we don't have or or add options or or we don't have a spot for him, and they could give up a a second or third tier prospect and flip him for somebody else's prospect who hasn't come around. Maybe maybe a veteran a veteran pitcher would be good, I guess, on a team like this if it didn't cost you a whole lot. But I'm telling you, uh, when you've got Noel V. Marte and Christian Encarnacion Strand and guys like that still in the pipeline, those are untouchable in my mind, and I think in the organization's mind, just because they've worked too hard to get to this point to, to give up something for a rental pitcher. Lance McAllister of Cincinnati is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline on 700 WLW Sports Talk, extra innings, I mean, all that. Reds and Bengals stuff over in the Queen City. Lance has you covered. So I asked this question before you came on. I was floating around in the pool yesterday, and I was drunk, but I, I did. I offered this up. I said, fact or drunk here? I said to everybody that would listen about this Reds team that to me it reminds me of the young Astros, Altuve, Correa, Bregman, when they were growing up together, and then ultimately what they tr- they transformed into. Is there anything that's reminiscent to you about this group of young Reds players to that group of young Astros players? Yes, because this group is having an immediate impact. I, that's the staggering thing. Everybody loved Ellie De La Cruz's profile and Matt McClain and Andrew Rabin, guys like that. Nobody thought they'd all come up and, and all exceed expectations right away. There haven't been, there might have been a struggle of an 0 for 8 over two games, but that's been it. And, and I know 162 game season is somewhere none of these young guys have gone yet, and that's to be determined. But the impact they're having right now, the, the group of, uh, of rookies have the most hits, homers, and our RBIs of any rookie group in Major League Baseball right now. And, and that group, you know, for all the, the attention the deadline trades got last year, and they traded for 12 prospects, Spencer Steer's the only one that's here right now. The rest of those guys were really young, and they're further down in this system. This group right now are homegrown. Ellie, Matt McLean, Andrew Abbott, and that's what reminds me of, if you trace the history of the Reds, the Big Red Machine, the 90 Reds, the 2010 run that started, those runs were led by homegrown players. The Big Red Machine was Rose, Bench, Perez, Concepcion, Griffey, Gullet. They added in other pieces, Morgan, Geronimo, and others. The 90 Reds, Larkin, Sable, O'Neal, Browning, Eric Davis, they added in other pieces around that. 2010 run started with Votto and Bruce and Frazier and Cueto and Leak and guys like that. So it's, it's how, you know, in a market this size, if you're going to find success, you've got to scout, draft, develop, promote, and get production. And it's happening again with this team. It's remarkable. Yeah, I sit back and yeah, maybe this is like fool's gold, but I sit back, especially watching the way that the Braves played after that series against the Reds. I, I want to see that when it really counts again, don't you? No question. I mean, you're talking about a Braves team right now that is one, whatever, whatever it is. It's a ridiculous number, 27 yeah. of 28. Or how many there were, and the one loss in there is the Reds. And that three-game series here was one of the best three-game series, maybe of this entire baseball season, and it turned this town upside down. Yeah, I, I want to see that again. Hey, buddy. Well, hang in there over there. Again, he's a proud grad. 1984, which is a great class up at Carmel. Uh, Butler, go, 88. Go, go Greyhounds. Go Greyhounds, yes. <laughs> Man, I'm excited for you because you've you've had to talk so much crap over the years here. And now to be able to, to talk at this level about this baseball team has got to be pretty awesome for you, too. That's great. 
there were a lot of times last year in the 11 o'clock hour of extra innings. I was talking to myself. Now I'm ha- I'm signing off at midnight, and I have phone lines lit. I could talk till 3 in the morning. Yes, with yes you could. All right, we're going to stay in touch, too, if you don't mind, Lance. Absolutely. Let's do it again. So Lance McAllister right there, great friend of the show over in Cincinnati. 700 WLW covers the Reds. Long time has covered the Reds. Again, I mentioned 88 grad of Butler, 84 grad of Carmel. Just a terrific dude. I do. I feel good for him. I mean, so many late nights when you're talking about, <laughs> and now you get this. So, again, the answer to the question, by the way, fact or drunk is fact regarding the Astros comparison right there. Fact and not drunk. Drunken fact is what you get right there. A drunken fact. His brain's going even when it's soaking in it a little bit. Drunken fact. Quick break and we'll return. Dustin DePurak, top of the hour. Dustin's going to talk about the weekend that was for the Pacers and where they're going directionally, both for the short term and the long term. Dustin, top of the hour. Kevin Bowen, 5 o'clock hour. Your chance to go to TD Garden for the Jim Irsay Collection, July the 15th. It is a continued listen away. I'll remind you about it coming up. Thank you, Colts. On the other side, 93.5107.5 fan. The Ride with JMV. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! (laughs) 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Lance McAllister was a fantastic way to fire up this show on a Wednesday. Hope you guys had a great weekend, an extended weekend. Hopefully everything was okay after the uh, multi-fireworks displays going on. Yeah, it was, uh, they had some around my, I think Dennis Dietrich had one near me. Shout out to Dennis. I mean, nowhere near my house, but uh, I live way out in the country, so. I got to give a shout out to Jeff and Glenda Watson, because I stayed drunk over in their pool all weekend. (laughs) Felt good. Felt really good. I mean, sometimes you just got to detach a little bit, don't you? Felt good. I don't know. Do I have like uh what do you guys think inside the lounge via YouTube Live? I look like a little George Hamilton going right here or what? A little Ricardo Montalban? I just think inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Last McAllister Podcast 1075thefan.com. By the way, Reds back with it against the Nationals coming up later on tonight. Dustin DePurak, top of the hour. Kevin Bowen, 5 o'clock hour. Your chance to get qualified to go see the Jim Irsay Collection in Boston at the TD Garden on July the 15th is coming not once but twice between now and 6 o'clock. So listen to when Cameron is going to start us off at 239-1070. Hello, Cameron. Hey, JMB, uh, thanks for the call. So yeah, I heard you talking about Pacers earlier, and I watched this team religiously, and I can't tell you how excited I I haven't been this excited for a season coming up um, in a long time. And I think just the reason why is because now, like you said, we have Halliburton locked up. But just having a guy like him that you can watch night in, night out, you never know. Like, oh, you always know that maybe a highlight could happen. And, you know, now that they add uh, Obi Toppin and, you know, Bruce Brown too, but 
I kind of compare it to now that the Colts have Anthony Richardson. I'm going to be glued in every play just because you never know if a guy like that can break off a big run or, you know, just make an exciting play. And I just want to say I'm super excited to, to watch this team. And I think the pace of this team was fast last year. And it's going to be even uh, even crazier this year. Yeah, I hope they can guard somebody. And again, if this thing goes foobar, right, right before our eyes with the Pacers, I mean, they're still flexible to go a different direction. It's kind of what I had talked about. They're, they're trying to do something right now, but still maintain that eyeball for the longer term. And I don't mind that mentality. Yeah, I definitely, and I, I think this is the first time too they've had like uh, a rotation to where. You, they could really rotate different guys in. I think we've had the problem in the past couple of years of not knowing, you know, where we're going to go. But I think they're going to have a good problem right now of having almost too many guys. Yeah, there is. There's, they're going to have to make some decisions, Cameron. There's no doubt about that. Did you have a good weekend? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm a, I'm a basketball junkie, so I'm getting ready to watch Summer League coming up Saturday. So. Oh, yeah. I watched. I was watching to see Trace the other night, and then he he set it out against Golden State. That, that may have been the first game I've known him to ever miss. That was weird. So, anyway. I will say this real quick, Jamie, before I get off. I did I did run into Jairus Walker downtown uh, two days ago, and that 19-year-old is a monster of a, of a human. <laughs> yeah, he was in studio a uh, week before last, and uh, both he and Ben Shepard. Yeah, very good. No doubt about that. Cameron, have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, Jamie. Let's have a quick break, and we'll come back. Somebody's going to get qualified. You know, make sure you clear your schedule around the, the uh, 14th and 15th, right, of this month. And, again, a shout-out to the Colts and to Jim Ursay. And the Goreman for putting this together. The Jim Ursay Collection. I'll explain. Dustin DePurek further explains either exactly what I'm talking about or if I got a little bit lost on the way of initially describing what the Pacers are doing with this roster right now. Dustin's going to join us on the other side. Bourbon and Beyond tickets, too. I'll tell you about that coming up. 93.5107 by the fan. The Ride with JMV. Well, you're going to have to say that. You're going to have to speak up because I can't hear you. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Dude, I know what I was going to tell you. So I go to uh, Mallow Run for a little while on, what the hell night was that? Monday night? Anybody ever seen a local band that does covers called, uh, I just forgot what it was. <laughs> Living Proof. Anybody ever seen Living Proof? Local cover band. Incredibly talented. And enjoyed them immensely. Living Proof. I was at uh, Mallow Run, kind of hanging out a little bit. Living Proof. And they did a lot of... A lot of R&B, a lot of old school R&B. There's some pop mixed in there, too. And here's how you can tell. I love it when when bands like that kind of transition. It's like a remix. Transition from one song to the other. But I, I don't know who the lead singer, one of the lead singers. Uh, the uh, the girl in the band did Empire State of Mind, which has to be incredibly difficult to do anything in the uh, neighborhood of Alicia Keys and just smashed it. It was awesome. Great job. 
So I want to give a shout-out to Living Proof here locally. That was good. Really good. Lance McAllister a little bit earlier about the Reds just absolutely on fire. Reds Nationals later on tonight. Yeah, Lance mentioned a lot of people are saying, all right, what are the Reds going to do with the trade deadline that approaches? And Lance mentioned probably not a great deal. They do, though. I have to MacGyver it every single night at the plate. Because you've got to. It's like, wait, is it Kingpin? Was it Kingpin when, um, when because he was he was Amish, he had to, they bowled 15 frames, and right? Instead of in the normal frames, because they are, the Reds offensively always have to do like this much more if you're watching via YouTube Live right now than the team that they're playing because of the pitching staff. You just you can't really and, – and Diaz, you've been able to count on, but my man has fluttered in and out of goodness here a couple of different times. Sidestepped a little bit of disaster. It's like every night, though, their offense saves their pitching staff. And sometimes I will hide my eyes when Buck Farmer goes out there to pitch. I go, okay, hold on a second. What's happening here? But so far, so far at the plate, they've had a pretty good counter for the last month. Back to that coming up in a bit. Kevin Bowen in the 5 o'clock hour from the Indianapolis Star. He covers the Pacers. Dustin DePurek joins us. Dustin, I explained it this way. And I had you on, and I talked about this, and I talked about this a great deal. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a long-term plan and sticking to it. But I don't think there's anything wrong with if you have some flexibility to also try to expedite the winning in the now. And to me, their approach so far this offseason has been that you leave yourself flexibility to try to get better and win now but also remain true to what you set out to do about this time last year is that the path that i see yeah i mean obviously they haven't traded they haven't gotten rid of anything that that knocks them backwards or 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 sort of swings for the fences and say okay we're, we're, we have to win now because we're getting rid right. of this asset that that is going to matter more in the future i mean they've sort of maintained everybody you know not just ben matherin and tyrese halliburton and, and the younger guys that are going to be core pieces but even uh the lesser big names of the Aaron Smiths and the isaiah jackson so you're sort of keeping this young group young crew together and saying we're not playing around with any of these pieces but we're just going to keep adding more and, and it's okay to get guys that are maybe a little bit older not a lot older that we think can make this closer to being uh, at least a playoff team. I, I think there's, there's there's not a sense of desperation or of a belief that, man, you you really have to get it done now or this is all going to fall apart. But there is, I think, a sense that, like, this group wants to win, and if it doesn't, look, there's, there's going to be some momentum lost. Uh, that, that if this isn't a playoff team, that if you hold this team back again and, and make it sort of uh, go after another lottery pick, then, then maybe you'll lose some momentum, some mojo, uh, and you might have an issue there. So it's just, I think it's sort of walking that line, striking that balance of um, – operating with, with some sense of urgency but not desperation uh, and, and going after things and then you know 
they also had to use some cap space because they had to get over the salary, new salary floor, um, you know, because there are some new penalties involved there with the new CBA. So they had to get up there and pay somebody. So that partially explains Bruce Brown, but I think they saw a couple of opportunities in Brown and Toppin that they could get better without throwing anything away that, that messed up their long-term plan. Yeah, I, I didn't want you to explain it uh, from what you have because it was at the end of the show on Friday and the Bruce Brown thing did kind of take me for a bit of a loop. I was kind of wondering, you know, with that, that backup they have at guard, how that made any sense. And I, I guess you could say that about the entirety of the roster because it is absolutely packed right now. But does that make more sense to you now? It does to me, but does that make more sense to you now than it did maybe when you first saw that on Friday? Yeah, definitely. I mean, even you started to see a trickle, like move around on Thursday is when you start to see Bruce's name, Bruce Brown's names mentioned with the Pacers. I and mean, I think everybody already had a sense that Bruce Brown was going to get paid, um, whether he stayed with Denver or whether he went somewhere else, just because of what all he was able to do in the finals, how much versatility he showed, how much he mattered on both ends. He's just one of those classic guys that when, it, when somebody wins a title as a, as a backup but does a lot of good things uh, in a playoff run, that, that player often gets paid. And I had a sense that was going to happen with Brown. But you didn't see really the Pacers connected to him until then. And I think what the, the, the sense that I can make of it, especially what ended up happening on Friday, was you looked at all these sort of power forwards they, they were connected to, like, you know, Jeremy Grant, Brown, or Jeremy Grant and Harrison Barnes, uh, Kyle Kuzma, you know, Rui Hachimura to some degree, you know, um, uh, Cameron Johnson were just, you know, some names where you started to see the Pacers kind of connected, but a, a number of teams that were in, had some interest in a power forward were looking that way. And almost all of them ended up re-signing uh, with their current teams. And I, I imagine by that point, just by calling around they probably got a sense of oh okay well you want to stay and you want to stay and you want to stay so who are we going to spend this money on <laughs> you know they have this cap room and, and it's sort of, it was sort of a use it or lose it situation that they were going to have to sort of uh spend it anyway and not necessarily spend it on their priorities if you don't if, if you still have that cap room uh by the season opener so it was sort of okay if you're going to get a free agent you know who makes sense if all these power forwards are gone yeah. uh, and they just got sort of the most versatile guy i mean the guy that could play you know the most sort of different positions and not create too much of a clog. I think they can imagine, okay, well, you can use them at point, you could use them at shooting guard, you could use them at small forward. There's going to be opportunity somewhere for one of those positions, if not all of them, uh, at least for some time, he can serve you a purpose and, and he makes you better defensively. Uh, so there is still, still a roster clog there, but I, I get the idea of saying, okay, well, if none of these guys that you targeted uh, are going to leave, uh, you, you should go find somebody, and in this case, it makes sense to find, you know, place, of, you know, versatility is, is a really high sort of factor in deciding who that person's going to be. Hey, Dustin, do you think at all the Bruce Brown signing, was that a product of maybe swinging and missing on another deal or two that, that did not sure. come to fruition for them? I, I'm sure. I mean, I, I can't, you know, you, you saw them connected to the Jeremy Grants, and, and, and certainly it seemed like they were in really good shape with Harrison Barnes because uh, Barnes had been a te- teammate of Halliburton and Buddy Heald in Sacramento, and Barnes had played for Rick Carlisle in Dallas. I mean, those were some of his best, Barnes's best statistical years. They didn't make the playoffs that year, but I think Barnes was the leading scorer on those teams. So by all accounts, everybody liked Harrison Barnes. They would love to have him, and obviously he re-signed uh, even a day before, uh, you know, free agency technically opened. So that was already off the board. 
forward. Um, and I think that you're already seeing a sense that like Grant, you know, Portland was going to go after Grant and re-sign him. So I think they must have called around and, and, and made offers and, and talked to all those agents and got a pretty good sense of what was going to happen. And when you start to see, okay, well, if he re-signs and he re-signs and he re-signs and he re-signs, and we're in some trouble here. And it's like at a certain point, it's like, okay, are you going to roll the dice with a restricted free agent situation where you're going to, you know, just send out offer sheets and you have until, you know, basically with the moratorium and they were going to have until uh, Friday uh, to be able to, to make a counter offer, not a counter offer, but to be able to match those offer sheets. So if, you know, you, you could tie up a lot of salary space on guys that you might not get. Uh, at least for the time being. And then if you don't get them, then again, you have that money that you had to spend and you've lost out. So, you know, what do you do? I mean, I think, I, I think it's pretty clear that they were interested in a lot of those guys that sort of more directly uh, fit their needs from a positional standpoint. And when all those didn't work out, they had to sign a reasonably high-priced free agent. Obviously, a big, a, a big thing that helps as well is they were able to get him with a team option on the second year. Um, so, you know, you pay him a good bit this year, you were probably going to lose that money anyway. You know, but next year you've got a team option coming in. So when that Halliburton extension kicks in and you are lower on cap space you don't have to uh you, you don't have to re-sign him for the second year you can let him walk after a season um and if you like him you can keep him if you if you think he doesn't fit or if it's too much of an issue from a from a cap standpoint you can let him go it's uh, dustin depurak of the star covers the paces with us via the andy moore automotive group hotline um, obviously, I want you to get into the two second rounds they had to give up for Obi Toppin, and obviously his New York availability was there. But I'm curious, from a Pacer standpoint, how much of their interest in, in obviously not having to give up very much and just renting a dude and seeing what he can do is one thing. But my man put up mammoth numbers against them in those t- final two Pacers-Knicks matchups at the end of the year. You think that at all played a role in to why they hard targeted him? I'm sure that yeah. I mean, if you really look across the board at like what they're spending and and what they believe is possible. I mean, you know, this is a guy that was National Player of the Year at Dayton, and you know, would have would have been probably a bigger signing shining star if that. Uh, you know, NCAA tournament plays out if Dayton would have had the opportunity to uh, really blossom. Instead, obviously, COVID happens and that season ends before, you know, right around the time of the beginning of the conference tournament. So you didn't really get to see Obi uh, shine even more than you already would. But I mean, I think you look at, you know, he's, he's a really good athlete, uh, can really get up uh, and, you know, has sort of the size that you're looking for at 6'9", 220. There's more that you'd like to see from him from a defensive standpoint. I mean, the, the rebound numbers aren't what you'd like considering the guy's frame and athleticism. You'd like to see some bigger numbers on that end, but I mean, I, I think you can imagine that they could be better. Uh, you need a power forward. You need a power forward with size, um, but it, and it's and it's a big deal to have one that can really run and play uh, up tempo the way that the Pacers want to play with Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, I, I know Halliburton was obviously ecstatic. I think he said something about like uh, on Twitter, like "F it, I'm just throwing up." Obi's going to be up there somewhere, um, so he's got another player that he can throw lobs to. So they're happy about all that. But I think those those performances are reminders of this is what this guy can do with minutes. I mean, obviously the Knicks were sitting some of their top players to get ready for the playoffs, you know, including Randall in those games. So it's like, okay, you see if you let this guy extend the minutes, he can score the basketball. And the Knicks are never, you know, as long as they're committed to Randall, they're never going to have those minutes for him. So he's probably going to want out. He's going to be excited to have the opportunity. Uh, and you see that he can be a real scorer and, and a real transition threat uh, if he gets real minutes. So, you know, you, you run 
him out there. You get him for a year, uh, at least before you have to decide on his contract. You know, it allows you to ease in, you know, your rookie, Jareth Walker. And, you know, you, you have these two guys that you can play that have real size uh, at the floor. So it's an easy decision, especially after you had to go in a kind of a different direction to get a free agent. Um, I think they, you know, they wanted power forward depth. I think that was a, a pretty clear, uh, you know, target for them, a pretty clear priority. And you get to fill that, again, after you've made this big free agent signing, you, you have to adjust to still find a way to, to fill that position. And in this case, you managed to do it without throwing anything away uh, that you can't afford to lose. Dustin, what do you think else may be coming as far as I mean, what they're trying to do, yeah. what they may think about doing moving forward here? Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm sure they're going to keep, you know, sort of maintain discussions. And, and I think they'll, they'll also probably look around and see what shakes loose. Um, you know, I think a, a lot of the NBA, as far as movement is concerned, is a little bit frozen at the moment as everybody's waiting to see uh, who makes a move to get Harden and who makes a move to get Lillard uh, and sort of how that shakes up the process and sort of see what shakes loose there. Um, you know, I, I would be, I, I guess the fact that it's been several days now uh, suggests to me that they're probably – not going to be able to land uh, some of the bigger wings they, they were interested in, some of the guys that it seemed like they had offers to uh, or they were trying to get around the time of the draft, you know, the DeAndre Hunters, the OG, uh, OG Ananobis. Uh, I'm guessing that, that those moves probably won't happen at this point, but I'm sure that if, if they have the opportunity, they're still going to look into it. Um, so I, I wouldn't rule anything out uh, at all as far as them continuing to pursue that. Uh, you know, I think they still probably have to find a way to at least try to move Daniel Tice and see if you can get anything out of it that um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that you know did that for uh, maybe future draft picks and, and try to find those, you know, see if they could open up a hole to bring George Hill back I think they'd like to do that if they can I don't know if they will um, I again I don't know if that's going to be possible I don't know who would be interested in Tice you know if anyone's got the roster space to pick him up I think he's still a useful you know backup center in the league I think he could still serve the same purpose he has on previous teams especially the Celtics you know uh, with their uh, NBA finals run and a couple playoffs runs that he was helpful with them so I think that's that's kind of a a smaller piece move and I'm sure they're going to keep their eyes open I'm sure they're going to continue talking to teams but I think there is also a chance that this is it uh there there is I think a possibility that, that they feel pretty good obviously they're at 15 in terms of roster spots with guaranteed uh players with you know uh full-time contracts basically at this point so they don't have to move they don't have something they need to get uh and you know it is going to be a, a tight roster situation as far as uh, competition for playing time is concerned. And there's going to be some good players that are probably going to see their minutes cut on the basis of what they've done so far. Um, so it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they did make moves, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they said, okay, that, you know, this is it. We're going to call it a day. Is Buddy Heald cool with coming off the bench? I'm sure he is. Uh, it certainly depends on how it operates. Uh, he's going to want his shots. He's going to want his opportunities. He's going to want to play. Um, and he's going to want a chance to, um, you know, just continue to be a part of something that matters. I'm sure he's not going to want to be just completely uh, passed to the side. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll also see. I, I imagine he'll probably say he's okay with it at the start. Will he still be okay with it, you know, come December or January when it's been a while or something like that? I mean, we'll we'll see how that goes. I imagine Buddy's first answer would be, sure, I want to be a part of this. And it's just a question of does he get antsy over time and, and feel a little bit less cool. Oh, it's success, it's too. If he's making shots right. and they're winning games, then it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, if he's not, it's the worst yeah, thing ever. It's yeah. drifting. Exactly, 100%. And so I, I think, again, I think he likes this group. I think he certainly likes playing with Tyrese. He's, he's successful in that case. I mean, if, if it comes to a situation where he's not uh, getting a lot of time on the floor with Halliburton and 
you know, he, his production level goes down and they're not winning as much as he wants to, then he might think it, think of it much differently uh, several months into the season if it doesn't go the way that he would hope. I also say this. I, I think without his, his volume three-point making, th- this offense is not – as good as what we saw a Agreed. year ago. And I'm not – there's nobody on that team right now that, that makes up for the lack of that, if there is a lack of that. Sure. No, and, and also moving moving Duarte as well. Um, you know, not that Duarte had a great season. Certainly he didn't shoot it particularly well, but the, the capacity is there to be a really good outside shooter. You know, you would think that if he gets healthy, uh, he's he's kind of the next guy down in terms of just raw outside shooting talent as a wing. Um, you know, Halliburton being a guy that can make threes on himself, although it obviously matters, but you need there to be another guy who takes, you know, the pressure off of him and takes bodies out of the middle of the floor and, you know, you know force somebody to sort of cling to somebody on the outside that allows, it just keeps the middle of the floor open so he can you know operate in there and Turner can operate in there and you can pick and roll and all that kind of thing. Um, so I, I think, yeah, it's, it is important for the time being. Somebody else has to raise up. I, I think somebody has to beat him out. I mean, that, that's another thing about, you know, I, I don't think uh, it's a guarantee that he's going to be moved out of the starting lineup. Somebody has to beat him. Matherin has to beat him. Uh, you know, if, if they're going to keep Nemhart on the floor as, as a two again, you know, he would have to beat him. I think whoever that you're, or Bruce Brown, if he's going to start, he's, he's going to have to beat Buddy Heald. Um, so, you know, you have to keep him in mind as the incumbent, and remember that you know again last season uh, he set a franchise record for three pointers. He was second in the entire NBA behind Clay Thompson, and so he's in that echelon. You have to view him in that echelon of, of best three point shooters in the entire league. Uh, you know it's probably you know Steph and Clay are at a different level than everybody else, but you know Buddy Hield is right there. Uh, you know maybe is your next guy as far as just best pure shooter in the NBA, and uh, it's not easy to unseat a guy like that and, and force him onto the bench. Dustin, how long do they know that uh, Ronald Norad was was it Ronald Norad wanting to move? Was it how did that go down with Norad ending up in Atlanta? Honestly, that's something I got to pick up on myself because I was out of town this weekend and I didn't I didn't catch that directly and get more of a sense of that. So I got to find out more of that uh, my own. So that that is my question. I'm not sure what what. you know, basically, what led Norad to want to go? If there's if there's a connection for him out in Atlanta, that that I'm not too, totally certain about. So I'm going to dig into that. I want to look at myself. Now I just I, I mean, I just remember talking about whenever um, you know they had the the firing of Doc Rivers in Philly, and you know I was I was talking about. You know, I think you and I had this conversation about Dan Burke, and mm-hmm. I think Dan Burke would he end up in uh, in Detroit now, right? I believe with the Pistons, Sounds if right. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, it'd be great. You know, he was you know good defensively here. Would they bring him back? And mm-hmm. then everybody would say, well, that's you know Ronald Norad's gig. And then three weeks later, Ronald Norad's gone. So right. that's my thought. Yeah, so I'm not totally certain what happened there, but I do. I know uh, Rick's a big fan of Jim Boylan, uh, for sure. I mean, it was a big deal. Boylan's been on as a, as a consultant last year, um, and you know, I, I did a piece on Norad and what it was like for him to be a coordinator, obviously, as a guy that has some cachet in Indy, uh, having done what he did with the uh, uh, runs he was on with Butler. And, and one thing that sort of Rick said, hey, it's, I, I think, you know, this is another angle of this story that you should check into is is Jim Boylan and the way that way in which he's been helpful uh, to um, uh, to Ron Norad and Boylan's obviously got all, all you know years and years of, of experience and, and championship experience uh, as a defensive coach. So I think that was sort of an easy slide in. Um, so on some level, like I'm not surprised that 
Carlisle with 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 that guy around didn't go outside because uh, I knew Rick had a lot of exper- of uh, respect for him, you know, going forward. So I'm not sure if that's if that led to that, if that was something that Rick wanted to happen anyway, and say, hey, Ron, Ron you know, look for someplace else to go because I want to make this move. I'm not sure if that happened or not, uh, but I know Carlisle was really excited to have him as part of the part of the organization in general. So it doesn't surprise me that he didn't look outside with him already being in the in the uh, in the organization. Hey, Dustin, what do you think the playing time is going to look like in the Vegas Summer League for this group? I'm fascinated by it. I think, you know, obviously when you bring some established guys back like they have with Matherin and Nemhart and Jackson, I mean, they generally don't stick around for – they don't keep them in for more than one or two games. So I imagine those guys uh, will probably play game one, game two, uh, and then that will probably be the extent of it just to, for them to get uh, you know their blood pumping and, and show what they've done a little bit and put on a little bit of a show and they'll move on. Um, so I'm guessing you're going to see those guys play a good healthy amount of minutes in game one and game two, um, not overdoing it, but you'll probably see again you know Nemhard, Matherin, uh, Jackson as starters and probably Walker and maybe Shepard uh, you know basically kind of rounding out that group and then after that uh, you know you'll see you know see the rest of them I think they're going to see what they got in Mojave King even though he's not going to be uh, playing with the Pacers this season he's going to be playing internationally someplace it's kind of a stash deal but they, they are having him play in the summer league we're going to see how that works I imagine Isaiah Wong will get uh, some run kind of with the second team uh, and they'll probably get a look at some of these other guys that they've got Signed. Obviously, Oscar Sheebway is another guy that I think you'll have a, see get some second unit minutes. I'm very intrigued as to how his NBA career is going to go. Obviously, he's a guy with National Player of the Year at Kentucky, who's two-time All-American, rebounds it like a madman. And so, you know, does is, is there a spot in the NBA for a guy that, that at least has that skill that he's better at than pretty much anybody? Well, this team needs uh, somebody to rebound like a madman. I will say that. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. I mean, yeah. anybody that can rebound. So. No, absolutely. And, and so it's just, okay, how does that sit? You know, is he going to have the lateral quickness on defense? Can you give him power forward minutes? Um, but, you know, he's going to be on a two-way, and obviously he'll have a lot of time with the Mad Ants to kind of uh, establish himself, and then you'll see just how the season shakes out in terms of what they have, what they're missing, you know, uh, who gets minor injuries, who has to t- you know, take some time off uh, with bumps and bruises or, or, you know, short-term injuries, and whether that grants him uh, an opportunity to get some minutes. Again, it's just – he just he has struck me as just so determined this entire process going back to him at the combine i remember just the way he's been making his case like hey i'm a guy who will do the dirty work for you and and i think you know i don't think teams i think he was even kind of saying like you guys don't realize you do need somebody like me uh and you haven't thought of it yet because you're thinking about all the high ceiling guys but you need somebody to go chase the ball down and i can be that guy i will go i think he said at one point is like someone someone on this team can shoot threes you can shoot as many threes as you want i'll go get you the ball and give it right back to you that's fine by me um so it seems like he's ready to just do whatever you need him to do sex screens rebound um and you know just find a way to the nba that way and feel you know be one of those guys that uh sticks in the league by doing the dirty work and there are more guys in the league like that than i think a lot of people recognize we sort of look at all these big men now that are that are coming out that used to be top you know 10 top 15 pick type guys that are sticking in the league in college ball for four or five years and barely getting drafted if they do uh and i think we're sort of forgetting that there are still kind of dirty work jobs for them that can keep in the league for a long time and i think Shibway is one of those guys that can be one of those type of players you think isaiah jackson and and jalen smith are solidly a part of this roster going into 23 24 
Uh, Tony, I, I, I do for this year at least. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, if something comes available, when if there's a, there's an offer um, to, you know, if somebody else needs a player like that, I'm, they're not going to say, well, we're definitely not never going to move one of those two guys. Uh, I do think they look at them both and see high potential um, and and like what's there. And I don't think I'd, I don't think they made a decision between the two of them because I think they, they they both have different skill sets and they have stuff that one is better that than the other. And I don't think they've separated, which is a bit of an issue. Um, this made I think difficult. For them, I think you know Smith is the better better shooter. He's probably the more all around good scorer. He rebounds at a higher rate than uh, not only Jackson but also Miles Turner. Uh, but obviously Jackson is the guy that can get off the highest. Uh, you know he's the guy that's finishing lobs and blocking shots, and he's got just so much bounce to him. And it's a hard guy to give up on. So I, I think that's the thing in both cases. First of all, they really like them as people. Uh, Rick Carlisle has said over and over again, especially when they were dealing with really the minutes crunch last year, that they handled it just so professionally as guys that are only, you know, uh, I think Isaiah's 21, and I think, you know, Jalen's with 22, 23. Uh, he was really impressed with just how they handled the fact that, hey, you're going to have, you're going to go a couple games without playing now. You know, we're going to get the other one in. You know, you're going to play a couple games, and he's going to play a couple games, and it's going to go back and forth. And when you're not in, you just got to do the best you can, stay ready just in case we need you, but also just be prepared to go two or three games and, and keep your head together. So they, they really like them as, as people, as locker room guys. They like their skill sets, and I don't think they've decided which one they like better yet. Um, so, you know, they're going to make the team. It's just a question of, you know, does an offer come about? Uh, does a trade scenario come about sometime in the rest of this offseason that, that makes sense uh, for them to move one of those guys and clear out that space and, and finally kind of commit to somebody as the backup five? Now, do you get to go to Vegas? I do. Yeah, I'll be out there for, I think, four days. We'll start to uh, go out there um, Friday morning uh, and stay until Tuesday. All right. So uh, give me a time comparison here in covering and writing compared to pool siding. <laughs> there will be a lot of covering and writing, I think. I, I, I did not. It's okay. Not yeah, your bosses don't listen. Everything's thinking. good. Yeah. Just you can tell me. Yeah. You can tell me. <laughs> there will be there will be plenty of working. I promise you that. Okay, I just I, I, I pool siding uh, sounds pretty cool. Next though. year, yeah, next year I'm going to save so I can spend more time pool siding. But I think this year I'm going to be uh, I'm, I'm going to be pretty much in that gym <laughs> for the most part. I got you. All right, Dustin, I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Jamie. It's uh, Dustin DePurak of the Star on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, pool siding's great. We need more pool siding. I need to do at some point. I think I, because we're having obviously our back nine golf outing coming up in August, right? And I was going to give away, I was going to ask the powers that be here if I could be, if somebody could bid on me coming out and DJing their pool party. Because remember, I, I mentioned this about Kevin Bowen. Kevin Bowen was going to come out. I was going to add something to the list of things to bid on for this event with Kevin Bowen mowing your yard shirtless. I, and we had that, and then Jake Query with a fireside chat. You know, at your fire pit, your bonfire or whatever. And then me DJing your pool party. I still like that. And again, I mentioned this last time out. The DJ equipment I'd never plugged in, and I go home the other night, and like Blake is doing this. Blake looked like Calvin Harris. He's got all these lights going on and stuff, and I'm thinking, wow, you learned that. So we may have the equipment good to go. It's been about three years, but we may have it good to go. 
I'll give you more information about that coming up in August as well, so you guys will want to be a part of it. But we will add things to bid on, and those are some thoughts in my head as far as things that you can bid on. All right, Bourbon Beyond tickets coming up. I'll explain that to you on the other side. Plus your opportunity, and thanks to the Colts and the Goreman, for a lucky winner and a friend to go to Boston on July the 15th to see the Jim Irsay Collection perform at TD Garden. And this, as of right now, performance list includes Vince Gill, Kevin Cronin, and Peter Wolf of Jay Giles' band, among others, July the 15th. And the Gorman's going to take care of the tickets to the event, transportation to the event, airfare to and from, and hotel accommodations for you. When you hear a re-entry from... Something with Cronin, something with Vince Gill, or something with Peter Wolf. That's going to be your cue to call. We'll do that twice before we get out of here at 6 o'clock. Quick break. We'll come back. Bowen, top of the hour. Donks in ready mode right now at 239-1070. the fan. Don't leave. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on, yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Our executive producer, Todd Meyer, wanted to make sure everybody knew that I knew that Vince Gill was a part of this edition of Pure Prairie League, but not a part of the Amy Pure Prairie League at the beginning. He was yelling in his office down there. Pure Prairie League. That's Vince Gill. Vince Gill is going to be a part of the Jim Irsay Collection in Boston, July the 15th. And we are looking for a qualifier right here. We're going to get qualifiers together for the next three days. Actually, now two and a half days. And then pick a winner over the weekend and announce that on Monday. You guys down with that program? We're just giving back. And thanks to the Colts. Thanks to the Goreman and Jim Irsay for doing this. But um, this is just our way of giving back to you you guys have some fun we all need some fun and believe me this summer is not close to being over even if schools start ridiculously early now get a lot more fun to be had Uh, number nine at 239 1070 is going to be a qualifier let's get the donk here who's been on hold at 239 1070 hello donk what up, brother? Hey, man, how good was Iria's last week? Oh, That's dude. delicious. Let me tell oh, you, man. buddy. Let me tell you, I I could do that every month, a live show like that. It was so spectacular. Dude, I brought the donkette, some freaking uh, I love the lasagna. Oh, dude, it, it, it went over See, well. That's, hey, that's a happy life for you over there when you bring the lasagna is, to the donkette. Yeah. It is. Dude, I'm in a good mood because Pacers have champagne problems. One of the problems is, is something we've not talked about is Mr. McConnell and then Mr. Naismith. Both are very good players, I believe, and I don't see them touching the floor. Not right now, man. I, what do you think? And um, what good for? I, 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 this is just me. And, and people are going to disagree on this, especially since I often ride with the donk. They need to be able to play defense. And we know that TJ is not uh, a very good defensive player. But right. I, I think I think that this team misses what he does. 
in a variety of ways. Just kind of like what I explained with Buddy Heald. I mean, I guess it's not something. Buddy Heald, you could, I think, easily see that if his volume of three-point making isn't there, then their volume of scoring isn't there. And that's problematic. But I just think what McConnell brings off the bench is necessary for that group off the bench. And I think if you take that away, that's problematic. But clearly, if let's just say, for example, Donk, you do take that away. I think that's something that you understandably you could try to replace with somebody else more so than volume three point making. So that's more understandable than the healed. But I compare both. You take each away, and I think this team is just different, especially offensively. I'm not sure your your thoughts on this are, are caught it, but Toppin, dude, Toppin could be special. Because not, not only did he like, I think believe both the times that it, it, Nick's played here, oh, he, he, he ripped him a new, score. he ripped him a new rear, like thirty two right, and thirty four. Right. Those those were like two of the final four games here of the season, or with the Knicks. I think one might have been in the Garden, one was here. But he goes for thirty two and thirty four. That's why I asked Dustin when he was just on. You think that played a role? And I, they're just taking a swing at something right now. We're going to take a swing. There's probably something bigger they may have been looking for. And and at least to their credit, they haven't said that or suggested anything yet. That part is good. But I just think you take a chance on this dude. It's it's like trying to get something in the now with also still eyeballing the plan for the future. And I can get with that. I think, man, you take that that kid out of that crap hole called, called New York, put him back in the Midwest. I think he's going to be happy. My man, thank you. Enjoy hey, the show. Donk anytime, man. It's great to see Donk. Irias was great on Thursday. I hope I'm talking to a lot of you that stopped by. I know we had storms and really bad weather that day, last Thursday. You know, what was new, right? But Irias, and again, a shout-out to Matt and Dom for having us and Brent Halverson. But you talk about the top of the list of all-timers for a tavern tour stop. That was it. Man, was it good. Know where to begin on that. Uh, chicken Marsala. I did not go with the red sauce. I went with the um, whatever the hell the other one was. <laughs> Had a lot of mushrooms in it. <laughs> I went with the brown sauce, which does not sound appealing. The <laughs> you give me the brown sauce. <laughs> but it was awesome. And hopefully we can do that again. I know I talked to Matt afterwards, and uh, we're going to see if we can't get back in there again sometime soon. But it was just a great time. At JMV, Spencer Steer is a stud. He just keeps ripping the ball. I mean, you look what he has done as a rookie. You look what De La Cruz is doing as a rookie. He's got you know, Matt McClain, what he's up to with this team. It, it is hard for me to fathom. If they don't get just a little bit better pitching-wise, I mean, they're so far away with that. And we were talking to Lance McAllister a little bit earlier. I'm not necessarily certain that the return in August of Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo is is going to make a massive difference. But really, anything right now, uh, they're hanging on at times offensively. And they have to get, like, double insurance runs. Well, that's good right there. They got an insurance run. No, can't be singular. This has got to be plural insurance runs. I mean, you've got to have double backup going. 
because you just count on you can't count on that pitching staff to do really anything. You know, Abbott. Abbott, and then you've counted on Diaz. I mean, he's an all-star, but I mean, he has he's been flapping in the breeze a couple of different times, too. You just you can't count on it. And I just I don't know how long I'll ride this thing. What was the uh, the famous ten cup line? You ride the horse until it bucks you, or you don't ride at all. You know, I'll ride this thing, watching this team play offensively and doing this. You know, and and again, what Lance was talking about, they they just play so fast. It's like watching, you know, how fast a basketball team wants to play. We got to play faster than this. I mean, they really do that in terms of baseball. And he's right. If you compare this team to the team a couple of years ago that, you know, had Castellanos and Mustakas, and I mean, they, it was slow station to station. And these guys make contact and they are off on the sprint. All of them. And granted, I understand this. You know, we're talking about it. It's incredibly enjoyable to watch, entertaining to watch, because the outcome is positive, because they're winning these games. But these are things you can see. Not not a lot of teams out there that are going to be able to not just survive its own pitching staff like that, but to be able to thrive. Think about what they've done in the past month to be able to thrive in an environment where – you know, if you squeeze out, you know, <laughs> three innings, you know, and, you know, you got to score like five, six, seven runs a game to feel confident with this group. I agree with you, Yaney, on this. Neesmith is absolutely a part of the big picture. Carlisle obviously likes him, and he might be the toughest all-around guy on the team, guards anyone. Yeah, he's not going to go anywhere. I will admit at times – my T.J. McConnell argument starts to become a little bit more flimsy. And I know in terms of me trying to explain, and when I say, hey, he's an energy guy, and everybody kind of scoffs at that, he just provides something off the bench that, again, these other guys don't. And I don't think these other guys will. It's a thought. It's something you can see. Like, you'll be able to see if you lose something like that. For example, hypothetically, if they were to trade Buddy Heald, that's something you're going to be able to see. Uh, good luck scoring, you know, 125, 135 in a game without that volume three-point making. Because I don't know who on that team is going to make up for that. I just think that McConnell brings to the table something that nobody else on that team can make up for either. And I think that is more valuable than how you may undress him defensively, which sounds weird, but it makes sense what I'm saying. But I agree with the Yaney on on Neesmith. Yeah, I pronounce I mispronounced Jim McCann that word. I I don't even know if I remember how to say it on Thursday show. Chicken Marcella. All right, here's what else I have here. I need to explain. This is a great day for you guys. You guys should love me even more than usual. Now, tell me something, James. Hop on here really quick. So we have we have tickets to Bourbon and Beyond. 
Yes, is it do. for any day? Is it for the concert? Or is it just for the event? So here's what it says. Uh, you get weekend passes to Bourbon and Beyond September 14th through 17th mm-hmm. at Highland Festival Grounds in Louisville. Is So is that you get passes? Do you get to go to the concerts? Uh, I'm assuming it doesn't say on here. Because have you seen the lineup? I have not, no. And again, this is, as you mentioned, too, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, September the 14th through the 17th, Highland Festival Grounds, called Bourbon and Beyond. Uh, the lineup, and I don't have this for specific days in front of me right now, Bruno Mars, The Killers, Brandy Carlisle, The Black Keys, Duran Duran, Billy String. You guys all love Billy Strings, or as I call him from Southern Indiana, Billy Strangs. The Black Crows. Oh, everybody gets a musical arousal around here about the Avid Brothers. You guys will love that. Blondie, which would be spectacular. Train. Babyface is going to be there. Babyface needs to come on the show sometime. Bastille. Buddy Guy. Old Crow Medicine Show. Who booked Wayne Newton? Outstanding. <laughs> Dude, Donkashay out there. It's awesome. That's just a few, too. That's not all of them, a few, and I don't know what days they're a part of. Uh, we have passes coming up here for Bourbon and Beyond. Shout out right there. That's great. A lot for you this week. Shortened week. A lot for you to win. A lot of reason to listen to win. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, John Buzzard checks in with this. The Red Zone really got lucky with this enthusiastic group. If they win the division, I foresee playoff shirts with the where else are you going to go slogan being sold. You're right about that. And I'll give credit where credit is due. I used to, and probably still would be, but I used to make fun of Nick Crawl as being a big dorky nerd all the time. And nobody's doing that right now. Because now it looks like what he is doing is working. Uh, and it will continue to work, and then you just, you know, if if your ownership there that oftentimes steps all over its own words, you just shut up. And soak it up. Soak it up. I mean, let these dudes go out there and play badass fast the entire time and let them do the talking for you. It's what you do. Thank you, John. Uh, Reds and Nationals coming up later on tonight, by the way, too. It's Daryl, the 239-1070. Hello. Hey, John. How you doing? How was your weekend? Busy? Busy, busy, but hey, did the the ladies, did the ladies in the car get an excitement jolt out of hearing themselves on the radio? First time they've ever been on the radio, and they were excited. Oh man, how were we looking there? Uh, You were looking good. You were looking good. They they all wanted your number. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate. Listen, I appreciate you introducing outer out of towners to the JMV takeover, man. That's a big time. 
all the people I called, uh, they were from uh, Iowa. Yeah. Once, yeah. Daryl, man, I'm getting calls. I get calls, you know, obviously from Maine and Matthew, but from Vermont and Andrea. I got one from Texas and Austin, Texas on Saturday, Florida, Kentucky, South Dakota, Illinois, Ohio. I'm telling you, California. Only we're getting go, things going here. You got to go national. That's yeah. the next thing. Yeah. Hey, the reason for my phone call, I want to see if you heard anything. One of one of my clients told me that there's going to be a Farm Aid concert here in Indiana. Well, and the, reason, yeah. the reason they haven't announced it yet because Dave Matthews was going to be part of it. And they wanted to wait till his two concerts were over. Well, it, uh, and on Friday, I think we kind of, and I, I'm, I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to overstep my bounds here. But yeah, that was brought up, and uh, it is. Uh, it, it, I don't know if that if Dave Matthews is the reason behind it, but yes, the uh, the farm aid, as I learned on Friday's show, evidently is going to be here upcoming. Yeah, that's what- one of my clients told me he knows somebody at Live Nation. He said they were waiting because he was going to be one of the, one of the performers at the concert, and they wanted to make sure he sold out his two concerts before they announced it. Yeah, and that that makes that makes sense, and that makes sense the way the information was was given to me on the air, kind of half acidly, if you will, on Friday. So yes, <laughs> that's it. that makes that makes a lot of sense. It does. Well, you'll probably be hearing from me. Uh, so, what is that? What is what is that? By the way, Neil, that's Neil Young and Willie. Willie still do it, and Mellencamp do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, all right, Saturday night, right? Be talking to you in two concerts this weekend. So, oh, buddy, keep in. introducing me to the out of towners. Get them stuck on Saturday night with me. All right, you have a good day, bro. Appreciate Later. you, Daryl. Appreciate that. Seriously, I mean, he he gets you know he's uh, an Uber driver. So he drives around and he'll take oftentimes people out of town to destinations, certainly concerts and such. And, you know, they end up listing. They go back home and end up listing via the B105.7 app. But that that's true. That part is true. If you listen to Friday's show, we were kind of a little awkwardly working our way around it because I don't think anybody said anything yet. But, yeah, um, that is that's certainly true. If you have interest in that. Uh, better information is forthcoming. Speaking of which, got two chances. One's a qualifying chance with the Jim Irsay collection in Boston that will announce a winner on Monday. Uh, the other bourbon and beyond opportunities coming up here in the 5 o'clock hour. Bowen as well, 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. And 107.5, the fan. This would be the Black Keys. Got a pair of passes for you. Highland Festival Grounds, September the 14th through the 17th. Bourbon and Beyond. And among those participating, and I don't know when they're going to be on stage, will be the Black Keys right here. I mentioned earlier Bruno Mars, the Killers, Brandy Carlisle, the Black Keys. You guys all go crazy over William Strang's, Billy Strang's uh, train. Black Crows, Avid Brothers. 
I mentioned Bastille, I think, a part of it. Blondie would be one to see right there. I think Debbie Harry's like 76 years old. Blondie would be the one to add to the list. And I can tell you this, uh, from my generation, and this still holds true today, Duran Duran is a part of this. You will love it. Love it. Love, love, love Duran Duran. It's a promise. It's going on maybe six years. Uh, at Ravinia Fest up in up in Chicago, I saw Duran Duran and Nile Rodgers and Sheik, and it was awesome. Even for that wine and cheese crowd, it was fired up. Great. And Nile Rodgers. Nile Rodgers had written and produced so much you know, from David Bowie and Let's Dance and that album, you know, Like a Virgin with Madonna. You know, that mid to late 80s Duran Duran sound that started with Notorious. And then obviously going back to Nile Rodgers and Chic, which got caught up at the end of the disco era, but still is some of the best fast-paced music you're going to find any place. Something that's going to get you going. Uh, Number nine to 239-1070 is going to be a winner. Uh, Lance McAllister talking about the Reds a little bit earlier. Lance had mentioned, hey, they're probably not going to do much trade deadline-wise. Don't be surprised. And um, they're fun as hell to watch. You just wonder, I mean, living on the edge like that offensively and having to get double backup, double insurance runs all the time because you know that your pitching staff just can't keep those off the base. And from crossing the plate, got to watch out for that. But, man, if there is a team out there, I guess not named the Atlanta Braves, that is more fun to watch than the Reds, then tell me about it. Or I I take that back. Um, It would be really fun for me to watch the Cardinals suck. That's funny. But even more fun than that. Yeah, let me know. Lance McAllister a little bit earlier. Dustin DePurek a little bit earlier talked about uh, the weekend that was for the Pacers. I think everybody's pretty happy with it via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Back from the crappy state of Michigan. And joining us now from the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Kevin Bowen joins us. Did you bring back any candy? There might have been a candy purchase. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Did you get yeah. a little wiggity 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 whack? That's probably the only positive in your mind on the state of Michigan, right? That is it right there. And I'm just I'm all in for it because it's supposedly helping you not feel the pain. Know what I mean? I'm all for the pain yeah. aspect of it. So I'm not for the passing yeah. out and having pictures taken of me with things on my forehead. <laughs> Why do for you that. hate Michigan again? What's that? Why do you hate Michigan again? Uh, but I just think that as a state, it's an armpit of a suck state, and I can't stand it. I just don't know. I don't. I mean, it's not all about Detroit either. I don't like Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti, Kalamazoo, Grand Rapids, Lansing. Boy, I hate it all. Flint. You hate the. I hate the upper, uh, the upper, upper peninsula. peninsula. All that crap can. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you know I hate that, Michigan. The Colts. Uh, the Colts' final pick, Jake Witt, was the Upper Peninsula Mr. Basketball back in the day. Pretty sweet right there. Like, how many dudes played? Like, three? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing against it. Nothing against that accomplishment. But 
I, I would be willing to guess like 98% of the kids up there probably play ice hockey. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what the basketball competition looks like on the old upper P. Yeah, I don't either. That's that's funny. But, no, seriously, I would rather than Michigan, I'd rather go to Kentucky, which I don't know if it says a lot oh. about Michigan or says a lot about me. Uh, I'd rather be in <laughs> Kentucky. I mean, at least their roads oh, are good. Their, 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 their roads are good. Michigan's roads stink, just like our roads stink. And yeah, then, Michigan's so much nicer, though, from just a aesthetic standpoint. What? And I mean, if you want to do the skiing, you can do the skiing. You want to play great golf. If you want to be on the water, you can do that. Well, I mean, man, what are you doing in Kentucky? Man, overnight in Dearborn sounds great. I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> <laughs> you trying to sell Michigan to me right here, Kev? Oh, God. I mean, I'm not, like, carrying the flag for it. I think it's a fine state. I think for the Midwest, it's one of the few states that's got some versatility to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Versatility is God. I mean, what the hell are you doing? What, I mean, what are you doing in Kentucky? Drinking bourbon and watching horses and going to the Corvette Museum in Bowling Green? Um, Yeah, and then, you know, kind of, you know, getting into Tennessee, in and out quick, getting in and out of Tennessee quick, and getting quicker, I guess, to the Gulf of Mexico, right? I guess. I mean, I'm, listen, I'm not going to go to Kentucky and do a lot, but I'm not doing anything in Michigan. No plan. None. Now, you liked it, though, right? So tell me all about what you liked. Kev, are you there? All right. I'm going to put Kev on hold. It sounded like he faded away. I've never been a fan of Michigan. Has nothing to do with the Wolverines or Sparty or Dane Five or anything. <laughs> well, the brawl. Or the '84 Tigers. Or Barry Sanders or Wayne Fonts. Yeah, none of it. Just never really liked it. Let's see if we can get Kevin back on here. <laughs> hey, sometimes I can't help when stuff goes on. <laughs> I mean, I bring it up. Uh, Kevin Bowen joins us now, rejoins us now. Are you still in Michigan right now? Is that what your phone line's doing to you up there? Are they on dial up? Yeah. yeah. I was going to say the upper, the upper P, we're, we're, we're a dial up nation up here. Um, so we were just south of Traverse City. Oh, gosh. And I heard great. Yeah, we were. Um, more of a remote location. It's a family reunion. Big, big crew. We do it every two years. But my wife and some of her cousins went up to Traverse City. They did some winery stuff up there. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's got a state that great golf, very underrated golf, uh, great skiing, great outdoors. You can hit up the water. I mean, you got a multitude of water locations to go to. We stopped at the Grand, Grand Rapids City Market, a little bit of a dicey area, so I'm going to be fully transparent there. I don't know if I would give that my highest endorsement, but yeah. I think my brother-in-law stopped at uh, Bell's Brewery on his way back. Um, that's near Western Michigan. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's got a little bit more offered than, you know, like you said, all it's got is, you know, candy and however else you described it. That's about it. <laughs> that's about I can't it. believe you said Kentucky over Michigan. Yeah, I'd much rather because I can get it in and out. I mean, listen, listen. You drove the length of the state is a big issue. Yes, it takes a while to travel. I mean, you, you drove you really? drove eight hours. You're still in the same crappy state. 
I mean, in Kentucky, man, the, the moment you start thinking about how it really does suck and it's toothless and they all have outhouses and no indoor plumbing, you're already out of it. Yeah, but if you get stuck on 65, you are screwed. Oh, why would you go I 65? Mean, why aren't you going the penny rail, brother? Come on now. That's amateur hour. You're going 65. Come on. Well, if you're coming back from Nashville, how else are you getting home? Oh, I'd get home in southwestern Indiana by the penny rail and the redneck well, Audubon. I mean Indianapolis. Well, listen, pretty yeah. pretty soon the penny rail in the redneck Audubon will be dealer's choice for Indianapolis whenever they figure out this crap fest they got going on here on the south side. Yeah, I feel like I've heard that since I came out of the womb. Well, listen, let me tell you this. There's been construction going over the bridge entering. Oh, by the way, you got to pay to go across the Ohio into Kentucky. I mean, there's been construction there since I came out of the womb. Well, I didn't encounter any toll roads going up to Michigan. So if you're if you're looking for a positive, there you go. Oh, I'm sure marijuana's paying for that. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> they well, fix their bottles. By, <laughs> they yeah, fix their bottles up there with marijuana. Yeah. Uh, Judging by a couple things I witnessed, I would say that's pretty accurate. (laughs) uh, Kevin Bowen with us. So I described what the Pacers did over the weekend. And, and Kev, you and I had had this conversation multiple times in the past. I I understand the long-term build and stay true to that. That's great. Uh, And I know we all got a little bit excited about the way they looked oftentimes, certainly in December of a year ago. But I kind of wanted a little give me something now. And then go ahead and save the best for last. Save the best for later, all right? Don't compromise what you're trying to do, what you set out to do this time last year. I thought what they did so far had that in mind. That's kind of what I thought about is what I talked about here with, you know, try to do something in the now, be more competitive in the now, but don't compromise the future. Is that not what we've seen so far? Yeah, I think that's that's a good way to put it. You know, I – there were obviously some names that got thrown around that were intriguing and were, you know, bigger names and splashier headlines. But I, I don't think I was one of those who just looked at it and say, boy, you better put all chips in the middle of the table now or you're going to regret it. I, I don't think you're necessarily there. And honestly, it's more of a credit to what they have built so far. And I just want to see what Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin look like as a one-two punch now moving forward and I think what you've done is you've improved on the defensive end of the floor you've gotten more athletic two areas of clear clear weakness for this team and now your two lead guys in Halliburton and Matherin can still try and grow and and see if they are that one-two punch that you feel like can you could build with and and obviously build around moving forward and I guess what pieces you need to add moving forward because they're still going to have tons of cap space next year. They're going to have two first-round picks. Like They are still going to be in a really good situation to maneuver if they choose to do whatever path they feel like is necessary to move further up in the East. So I thought both the moves made a lot of sense. I didn't really get the overpay for Bruce Brown. I think people need to realize there's a lot of context involved with that. Um, if you are going to overpay, and I say that in quotes because the Pacers had to pay, because they yeah. have to hit a salary cap floor, which yep. NBA teams have to hit. Uh, but if you're going to overpay, why not overpay for your two biggest weaknesses? And I'd say that is defense and winning. And Bruce Brown just won at a really high level in the playoffs and was a key contributor for them. And really nobody on this roster uh, has won at a close to a significant level in the postseason. So good at that. And Obi Toppin for you know a couple second rounders. I've used this analogy before. 
John, of, you know, with the Colts, always kick tires on former first-round picks. And with the Pacers, uh, I'm all for kicking tires on former lottery picks and see what a change of scenery can do for that guy. I know that the NBA NFL analogy does not work out 100 times out of 100, but if you look at when the Colts have had success over the last, you know, half dozen years, I mean, Eric Ebron was very important signing in making the playoffs. Xavier Rhodes, a really important signing in making the playoffs in those years that you made it. And, you know, it, it's worked a little bit there. Neesmith, obviously Halliburton situation. The Jalen Smith has been a little bit more up and down. But anytime you are able to try and bring in a former lottery pick and, again, can give them a different role and maybe an expanded role when you're in a market that's as small as Indiana, I'm all for it. Now, and, and listen, you're going to have a motivated Obi Toppin, too. And you also have an Obi Toppin, which you saw up close and personal in the final two Pacer games, and he played against him, I think, put up nearly 70 points in those two games. So that, that and, you know, you, you just you take a chance to see what happens. If it doesn't work out, no harm, no foul. If it does work out, then maybe that is a piece of which, unfortunately for New York, I guess, was never unearthed there that could be here. But I, I, get, I do get what they're doing, and uh, I, I don't mind it. Not at all. Yeah, I think it's a great point you make about Toppin in the contract year. I mean, obviously, he's going to be super motivated. And, and you bring up what he did against Indiana late late last season. You know, oftentimes when you see these dudes explode late in a year and have, you know, big point totals, it's always kind of like, oh, man, what was the competition? You know, why is that the outlier? I mean, we, we saw the lineups the Pacers were throwing out there. But I think what's interesting to note with Toppin when he has started games, he's only started 15 games in his career. The stat is rather out, really stands out to me. He is a 44% three-point shooter when he starts. Again, it's 15 games, uh, but he shot a ton of threes. I want to say it's on average, I believe it's five threes per game, a little bit north of that. He's 44% from behind the arc. When he's not starting, he's a 30% three-point shooter. So now the I mean, that is a huge difference. I mean, 14% three-point shooter is a massive difference. So now the question becomes why? You know, it, with the starters, is he playing with, you know, a better point guard that gets him the ball in more favorable situations? Does he get a little bit, you know, longer of a leash so he feels a little bit better from a minute standpoint, more more confident, et cetera, et cetera? Well, if that's the case, I mean, the Pacers have a great all-star point guard, and you would think more minutes would be available here than they were with Julius Randle playing in front of them in New York. So that's what kind of, you know, when you think about Toppin, you think, okay, why hasn't he you know, done a little bit more? The shooting has certainly held him back. Well, if he can be a more consistent shooter like he is when he starts, there's an opportunity here in Indiana for him to uh, tap into that. So Kevin Bowen coming off a vacation in the not-so-great state of Michigan via the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon. Are the dispensaries, are they all over up there? Uh, I wouldn't say all over, but... I mean, certainly if you want to find one, you, you can. I mean, think about Michigan, too. But the whole so Bowen family just get stoned at the reunion or what? What happened? Well, no, I can't say that was that that was part of it. No, I no, can't say we were all. All right, some more, and let's light up around the bonfire here. Uh, that was out on the agenda there with 93-year-old grandma lovers there. I was actually with my in-laws. We've got macaroni uh, and cheese, the- sugar cream pie, and here's some weed here from the Bowen family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, uh, that that delivery of pizza will be here around 10 p.m. for all of us. <laughs> Kevin Bowen via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You think the uh, Pacers are, are done? They are going to have to figure out this roster situation. So combine that 
with what we may or may not witness coming up here in in summer league what, what do you think they still have to do here yeah that's a good question i mean obviously you got a log jam at center still you know if you label isaiah jackson and jalen smith centers you got four of them with miles and then daniel tice as well so you got to figure that out. Um, certainly on paper, you've got a ton of guards and wings. And if you're going to have a surplus of positions anywhere, guards and wings is where you'd want it. But, you know, even if or whenever this Chris Duarte move gets finalized, you still are kind of like, man, where's the playing time? And honestly, it's a good problem to have. Jake and I did the exercise earlier today of like, okay, what's the starting group? What's the bench unit? I mean, figuring out playing time is – not something that seems obvious or your ninth and 10th guys aren't like mad ant guys on, on two year or I should say two way deals by any means. But I, I guess to the question, if the Pacers want to do something, they are definitely in an opportunity to where they can do something. Yeah, like they are. I agree. I mean, they, they, I mean, they've got cap space still, they've got the two first round picks. They've got guys that I think would be attractive to super win now teams. And, you know, they, they have a variety of pieces that they can, kind of play with here so uh i think everybody in the nba it's on the damian lillard waiting you know pat or, you know waiting hold here of all right let's all get to vegas for the summer league figure out where lillard's going and then you know play off the dominoes from there and if that's the case again i think the pacers like they have been in recent years they're in a position to try and maneuver if if need be and and kind of help out um so i don't think anything glaring is kind of screaming at me here of like something that must be done but, again, they are in a position that they, if they want to get involved in something, they most certainly could. I, Kev, I was going back and forth regarding T.J. McConnell a little bit earlier. Um, and I'm, we can have this you know, debate all the time. I, I feel, much like my argument with Buddy Heald, that he brings a three-point-making volume ability that nobody else can repeat nor replicate. On this team, I mean, nobody right now, uh, which I think if you take him away, that's detrimental to the offense. And I think that if you take T.J. McConnell away, it's detrimental to the energy that he brings that nobody else on that roster can bring at that particular level. However, is that ultimately going to be too much of a luxury for this team to be able to to take care of, I think, moving forward? Well, I, I know it's not the question that you're asking, but I, I... – I guess I'll start here. I mean, I, by no means would I label T.J. McConnell as a guy like you, you You can't move. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a second-team point guard on a 35-win team. So I, I'd be listening to any and all inquiries about T.J. McConnell. Having said that, you just described what he brings, and it is very noteworthy. And there are at least a hand, handful of nights throughout the year that McConnell's energy single-handedly changes the game. And I – I think that is that is a luxury, and it's why he stayed in the league for as long as he has, and I think will continue to, you know, have a role in the NBA for the next couple of years. I think the question the Pacers have to ask themselves in regards to McConnell is, what is Andrew Nembhard's position of the future? If you think Nembhard is a point guard running the second unit, then at some point you need to let McConnell go and let Nembhard handle those duties. If you look at Nembhard and say, no, he's more off the ball and He's a versatile guy and can hit an open shot when he plays alongside Tyrese and obviously brings a defensive presence. Then, you know, having a backup point guard like TJ McConnell makes a lot of sense because I don't think, unless I'm missing somebody, I don't see like a clear third point guard on this roster that, you know, you've drafted like, I don't know, Aaron Holiday from a few years ago and you're kind of like, all right, where's Aaron Holiday going to get minutes behind Brogdon and behind whoever else was, was the point guard on this team? So, 
Um, It's not a must have by any means, but if you were to lose him, yes, you know, your energy driver from a second unit standpoint. Can't replace that juice, Kev. You can't do it. Not even close. Yeah. How would you create that? Uh, Because, you know, Matherin's a guy that brings energy, but he brings energy in a much different way. And it's, it's one thing when your energy driver is that point guard, when he's picking up full court and he's, you know, getting in the, you know, under the you know, skin of some other guys, and he's chirping with the opposing bench, and you know, he, he knows a lot of guys around the league. You always see him you know, talking to guys and smirking, and we all see the steal in the backcourt that he seemingly gets every game. So he would be a loss. I, I don't want to act like he wouldn't, but it's not some make-or-break situation to where um, I would be looking at and say, oh, my gosh, you know, lottery-protected pick or nothing for T.J. McConnell. And a big part of that because I always felt like when Nemard was drafted, and you would know this better than I, John, because you watch so much of Gonzaga. I just assumed he was your backup point guard of the future. And sure, there are times where you know maybe he, he could play off the ball with the starters, but I, I think kind of him running that second unit moving forward, that would be the role for me because you know at some point, again, you know where's Ben Shepard going to fit? Where's Aaron Neesmith going to fit? I mean, you have some of these other kind of second unit wing, J- Jordan Wara. I mean, right there, those three guys, is that your two, three, and four with the second unit? I mean, that means Bruce Brown, Benedict Mather, and Buddy Heald are all in the starting lineup. And, and that obviously creates a log jam. Where's Jairus Walker? Where, where's Obi Toppin? So it's great problems to have, as I kind of say all that off the top of my head. But to me, Nemhard bunching them in with the wings continues to crowd a position group, and I should say multiple positions, because, you know, wings, in my opinion, can be labeled as kind of two, three, and maybe even four how you divvy up all that playing time. So Kevin Bowen, morning show. Kevin Inquiry, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. on the fan. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I had Lance McAllister on talking about the Reds, and I asked this question at the outset of the show. I was talking about it at a, at a, in the pool yesterday, and I was drunk, um, but I asked the question <laughs> to the fans out there, um, is it me being drunk or was this fact? And I compared – this Reds team that we see right now, not so much the pitching staff because there's a difference, but the position players, uh, the hitters in the lineup, I compare them to what I witnessed and the juice you got from the early stages of that Astros rebuild with Altuve, Correa, Bregman, and Lance agreed with me. Do you? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, Yeah, I, I... I think that's really really accurate. And, you know, obviously just the energy from these guys, you know, up and down the lineup. I mean, it's wild to – I think it was a couple of weeks ago because I don't think it's been the – you know, certainly with Jonathan India, you know, typically batting in that three-hole. It's not an everyday thing. But I think at one point a few weeks ago, they had two, three, and four hitters as rookies. I mean, you just, you, you just don't see that in Major League Baseball. You certainly don't see it in June. And you certainly don't see it by a team leading the NL Central. So – it is just – it's rare, I think, in today's baseball world to want to watch a team because you know you're going to get something really entertaining. Like, whether it's a particular play, whether it's a comeback, and it usually involves offense, and that's obviously been the red strength, certainly pitching, starting pitching would not qualify as that. But that's what they have created. They've created this kind of never-die, tons of comebacks, you never know, you know, certainly with De La Cruz, that's the spark of it all. And that might be a little bit different than what the Astros, the Astros, it seemed like from Altuve to Springer to Bregman. And I, I know I'm forgetting somebody, but 
it seemed like all of them, you know, he just well, I mean, it was, it was Springer. That that first group had Springer playing center field, who's in Toronto now. He was another member of that that uh, was a big deal then. Yeah, and, and for this group, obviously there's other rookies, but Taylor Cruz, of course, is the is the crown jewel of it all. Uh, but again, it's just rare to want to watch a major league baseball team to this level in June, and now we're into July. But purely from like an entertainment standpoint, I mean, they had the walk off. Uh, Kev, they know, play faster than everybody else. Football. That's something they do that that rarely you see in baseball. We talk about it in in football. We talk about it in basketball. They play fast. That is a fast playing baseball team, and rarely do you see that. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that. Did you catch Joey Votto and Dan Patrick a few weeks ago? Uh, I did not. So Votto was on there, and he made the analogy of, like, we used to be a post-up team. Like, I was I was the post-up big guy. And it was, you know, home run or strikeout. And, and that was it. And he's like, now we play with more small ball. We play with more speed. Yeah, they still have power, certainly, yeah. in that ballpark. You don't need much. But I think he made the analogy, if I'm not mistaken, to, like, the Warriors and the Kings of this past season. Obviously, Warriors dating back a little bit to, like, you know, we can play the, the old-school NL small ball, and if we put a ball in play, there's a ton of pressure on the opposing defense. And, and again, that's not, I don't think, the words we always use with modern-day baseball of, like, there is a team that brings a speed element and a base path element to the game, but I do think the Reds really, really have that, and that's why you never feel like you're out of an inning or out of the game and, you know, whatever they are, second, I think, or maybe even now first, and come back to the season and all those things. I, I thought that was a really good analogy from Vado. And, you know, it, I'm thinking back to the group text that Kristen Airy, you, myself, and Jake and Jeremiah Johnson were in a, a couple weeks ago. And, and J.J. was saying how his son Preston wanted to invite some of his friends over to watch the Reds. I mean, we're talking about a yeah. Friday night game yeah. in June. And I, I don't know Preston's exact age. I think he's somewhere, you know, kind of the early teen. I mean, we're talking a junior high age kid. Him and his buddies wanted to come over to watch the Reds. I mean, that is wild to me. And, again, it's it's a major credit to uh, the young talent that they have. And, you know, a little bit of luck has fallen into it. But certainly something that they have tried to create as best as possible. It's been so long. It's almost like the first time that we saw nudity. Know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that first time you saw nudity, Kev? You go, oh, okay. I'd like to see some more of that. That's kind of why I feel about this rest. It's been so long since there's been anything like this, any level of excitement. And what it does, it engages you with the rest of Major League Baseball, not just the Reds. So it's beneficial to baseball in general. But certainly it's like that time, the first time you saw nudity. What what year was that? Who's what's the first time you saw nudity, Kev? You remember? Well, I I, I do remember the year. I, I I don't think I got 162 straight nights of it though. Once I once I saw it. Uh, <laughs> well, I, you're not I, living I, I until you do, brother. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I came across a Playboy probably about. Uh, Three, uh, third, third grade, fourth grade. Something. Oh yeah, oh yeah. See, yeah. I, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I grew up in a rural area, so we had, we had playboys underneath the hay bales in the barn in the loft. Sure, I mean, uh, after the pigs get fed, it's time for the oh, time, man. time for the farmer to get a little fixing in, right? Mm. You know, the greatest all time hidden that barn loft was Bo Derrick, the ten. <laughs> <laughs> 
Those are the good old days, right? That's kind of the that's the that's the uh, excitement factor I feel with this Reds team right now. It's kind of like that. So anyway, what you guys got going on tomorrow? That's a hell of an analogy. Thank you, right there by you. I worked. Um, I wanted to work it in. I was going to work it in regardless. All right. So I, I just clearly wanted to work that analogy in. I forced it. What do you got tomorrow? Outstanding by you. Uh, I w- hope to tease, if you don't mind. We had Gennaro Pargo on today, Pacers yep. summer league coach. I thought that was a fun, fun interview with him. He was pretty candid. He's about- the guy that played at Gonzaga, you know, right? He played at Gonzaga. Uh, that was or his no. brother. No, that Jared. was his brother. Yeah. Yeah, his brother Jeremy. He was an Arkansas guy. Jake Jake, uh, snuck into Nolan Richardson questions. So, yeah, uh, yeah, he played at Arkansas. And then, yeah, Jeremy Pargo. High flyer Jeremy Pargo from those Gonzaga days. But he was great. Uh, Again, candid about the rookies, but also Benedict Matherin and Isaiah Jackson, who's on a summer league roster, as they get started on Saturday. So that's up on our podcast. Tomorrow, I believe we have, I think it's Katie. Gosh, I need to double check on her last name. I think it's Katie Wing. If I'm not mistaken, she is um, the De- – I guess you, you call her the Jeremiah Johnson of Denver. Nice. Uh, with the Nuggets. And so we'll get a little Bruce Brown chatter with her. Because, you know, I, I think for those who saw the clips from the parade at the Nuggets, Michael Malone's reaction, I mean, Bruce Brown's a pretty beloved dude uh, in leaving Denver. Obviously, finances contribute to why they were unable to bring him back. But that's a guy that they are going to miss, uh, you know, kind of a jack-of-all-trades for them. Let me tell you this. And Mike, Michael Malone was hammered. At that parade too, he was. I mean, he yeah. could you could have said, yeah, you could have said, hey, we're going to bring back Bill Hanslick and Danny Shays. Yeah, we got to have him back. He had no idea. Bill Hanslick, by the way, a former Notre Dame Fighting Irish, I believe, forward, right? Bill Hanslick, Notre Dame. That's, yeah, that, that sounds right there. Come on, then, man, I'm creating stuff they're... for you right here, and you got nothing. Well, it's it's a little bit past my time, and isn't uh, it's Scott Hastings? Is that their color? Is oh, that yeah. their color announcer? Yeah. There yeah. he is, Bill Hanslick right there, college basketball, Notre Dame, six foot seven guard. Played for the Nuggets. Nuggets eighty two yeah. through ninety. Bill Hanslick. Okay, so that was a little I thought he'd be a little bit more in the in the seventies at Notre Dame. Uh well I guess I guess he would have been there. I, I know I say this quite often, but I'm obsessed that Micah Shrewsbury's Notre Dame's basketball coach. I know you are. I know. Yeah. That's your sports he, arousal okay. right there. Does Shrewsbury know that like you have a sports arousal with his his head coaching ability in South Bend? I try to keep it politically correct when we add him on the show, but let's just say it's you know, reminiscent of the first time seeing nudity. <laughs> 7 a.m. It's Kevin Inquiry tomorrow morning here on The Fan. <laughs> Good to have you back, buddy. I'm glad you survived Michigan. Yeah, I should have brought you something back. Apologies on that. I just, uh, I do. I'm glad you took my advice and you took like three things of deodorant because I told you you'd need it. <laughs> Noted. Noted. <laughs> See you, buddy. Later. See you, uh, Kevin Bowen there. Quick break and we'll come back. I got more stuff for you. I shall explain. Actually, your chance to go to Boston coming up. Your can- chance of bourbon beyond coming up. You know, listen to win. Back with you next. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. A cheating song from the 1980s. I don't want to hear it from everybody that you're messing around. Come on. (laughs) Kevin Cronin will be a part of the Jim Ursay collection performance in Boston. TD Garden, July the 15th. Along with Vince Gill, along with Peter Wolf, 
along with it, notable, certainly, um, as musicians. Mike Wanchick of Mellencamp's going to be there. He's always there. What a great dude that guy is. And more. You're going to have some former Colts players involved, former Patriots players involved. July the 15th. This is for a qualifier right here at number nine. The qualifier will be qualified in the drawing that we will do on Monday's show for round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, transport, and you get to go to the show in Boston. All thanks to the Colts and my man, the Gorman. This is like the Gorman giving back to you. For all that I've had to put up with the Gorman over the years, the Gorman has given back to you right here. And thanks to Jim Ursay, too, for doing that. But again, we'll get a qualifier and randomly select on Monday the winner. So that's a winner and a friend of the winner. In Boston, TD Garden, July the 15th. That's cool. Really cool. Hey, JMV, I completely agree with your take on TJ McConnell. I just don't think that you get that juice anyplace else. And it may be viewed as a luxury, and maybe his defense is viewed as a detriment. But let me tell you this, he's not alone on that team. I mean, a dude just got paid $260 million that also needs to get better defensively too, and he knows that. I just think you take away that juice that McConnell brings off the bench that's a detriment to this team. Is it enough to justify it? I mean, to me, it looked like it was a year ago. And again, it's just not something you can't you can't argue that the same as I can argue Buddy Healed in volume three making, because you can see that. I mean, let's just say, for example, you take that out of games and you know, good luck with getting up in the one one thirties. But that is that's my thought on McConnell. And maybe maybe with the volume that they have on this roster and what they have to figure out, I mean, maybe that's a luxury they, you know, as a team that didn't make the postseason, maybe that's a luxury they cannot afford. But that's exactly how I thought about it. Yeah, I think you guys are right, too, about it. I think McConnell brings much more to the table that you certainly will notice when it is no longer presented on that table. Without question. Yeah, coming up a little bit later on, too, Bourbon and Beyond. And that's coming up in September uh, down in Louisville. Jim McCann just actually sent me something. Bourbon and Beyond passes include the concerts. Lawn chairs can be bought, brought in, I should say. Thank you very much, Jim McCann. And that is a hell of a show right there, everybody. I think everybody needs a little bit of that Bourbon and Beyond right there. And we got a pair of passes for you. And thanks to our folks here for setting that up, too. That's awesome. Uh, there is uh, any number of incredible acts. Bruno Mars, The Killers, Black Keys. What's your chance to win a pair of tickets? It, baby faces on that list. Coming up before the end of the show. 
And, of course, we'll do all this coming up again tomorrow as well. If you missed a little bit earlier, uh, Dustin DePurak talked about what the Pacers have done so far during free agency, so far, just really over the weekend in general. Lance McAllister of 700 WLW on the Reds. Yeah, I watched David Ross get tossed yesterday. They were jacking around <laughs> the roof in Milwaukee, <laughs> trying to create takeaway shadows, I should say, for their hitters. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny, but it is so true. Would you guys agree? And we can make a really good argument on this right now because I'm sure we have some Cardinal fans out there, and I do laugh about the entire thing. But with the Cardinals being 11 and a half games back, getting absolutely depantalooned yesterday in South Beach by Miami, the Marlins put up 15. I mean, just getting completely depanced. With all that in mind, does that take away from your interest throughout Major League Baseball? Because, frankly, I haven't had this amount of interest in baseball as a whole in a long time. And it's because the team that you follow is playing well. So in terms of the Cardinals, they're not playing well. Does that kind of leave you out to a degree? Cubs fans, you can chime in on that too. I think there's a lot to be said about that. Just gonna lose interest, especially going into July around the all-star break where we are right now. And I'm not suggesting this thing is going to last forever with the Reds either. It just seems like, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier, right? It seems like that they have MacGyvered a lot of this and they've done it offensively. You know, they they have made up for the lack of pitching that they have, the lack of being able to count on that pitching. You know, other than Abbott, most of the time. They've made up that offensively. I just don't know. And and you know, Lance mentioned the same thing. I don't know how long they're going to be able to do that. You know, how many come from behind wins, how many late game Spencer steer moments. Yeah, you're going to be able to have. Hey, JMV, so who's answered the phone? I've got through three times since you said number nine, bourbon did it win. Three times rang until it disconnected. I think that means we already have a winner when that happens. He doesn't, like, like there'll be people still calling in, and once he has a winner, he's not going to pick up everybody. I think that's what happens there, Shane. Hey, quick break, and we shall return for a final time. This reminder, Trackside coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. We'll do this again coming up tomorrow. Lance McAllister a little bit earlier, Dustin DePurak, and Kevin Bowen. Podcast 1075thefan.com. It is good to be back. Hope everybody had a fantastic extended holiday weekend. If you didn't think about it from this standpoint, we're halfway home to diving into another weekend right now. Make that one happen. By the way, I'll be out and about on Saturday. I'll explain when and where coming up to you at the end of the show. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Oh, I like this. This is like the Dillards from Andy Griffith right here. Dooley. Dooley. It is not, by the way. 
Bourbon and Beyond is coming up in Louisville in September. And uh, shout out to people here. Got some passes for you. So a pair and evidently 14th through the 17th in September, Highland Festival Grounds. Uh, you get these passes and you're in to enjoy. Um, that's Billy Strings right there. Bruno Mars, the Killers, the Black Keys. I mean, it is a who's who. We'll tell you what. Don't embarrass me, winners, if you don't stay and watch Wayne Newton. Come on. You got to have some Wayne Newton. <laughs> nah, this would be a good time. I, I think, unfortunately for me, 14th to the 17th, there is so much going on around here then. Colt season is officially underway. Yeah, Bastille's a part of it. Babyface. I don't know who Ryan Bingham is, but he looks really cool. Buddy Guy. I would imagine, too, to go see Bruno Mars because he's such a high-level entertainer. That'd probably be worth the entire trip, I would bet. But it seems like it's got a little something for everybody right there. That's awesome. Yeah, BT, sometimes it happens that way. Now, they do have they have Luna Azul. See, what I'm talking about here is, is sometimes people will show me a bar that does not have a Heaven Hill distillery product as a part of it, and that's, that's why we got to educate. That's why I'm here to educate. That's why you're here to educate. So you have to educate that place that they need to get it, get that thing stat. Uh, Josh writes this. I'm a Cardinal fan, right? I've pretty much tuned out for the year at this point. Check in from time to time to see how much further back they are. And and what that does, and this is just what I noticed by being a Reds fan and having so many crappy teams to have to watch, have to stomach through, that it affects overall your interest in baseball. It just does. And when your team is a part of it, you're kind of wanting, you're checking out what else is going on. And in the case of, I'm sure, Cardinal fans finding their team 11 and a half games back right now on the Central, uh, probably disassociated with it right now. I don't blame you because I've been there and I've done that. It is of no surprise. JMV, I love TJ like few others, but the Brown, Nimhard, Halliburton combo may make it tough for McConnell, but I'd take him over George Hill for sure. If you're a Reds fan, find Lance McAllister on Facebook and follow. That is true. I I just I think McConnell has something that this team will lack. But there is certainly there is a backup at the backup. Charles Bryant writes this: Charlene Darling was crazy, but you do get the plot of land and the house with mud floors. <laughs> Charlene, I know it. She always was chasing after Andy. Andy is always saying, oh, you know what? She's too young for me. And I'm thinking, man, one of these days you're going to regret that. Taylor, come on. No, that is true. That is pretty funny right there, though. 
That little combination is really funny. And a shout out to Lance McAllister for the uh, tweet right there. Rex chimes in with this. Great guest, JMV. Last Reds game I attended. I listened to Lance on the post game on the way all the way back to Indy, in fact. Great reception all the way to Lawrenceburg. (laughs) Nah, he's a good dude right there. Lance McAllister from the big one earlier. Dustin DePurak from the Indy Star about the Pacers earlier. Kevin Bowen went to Michigan. In a family union where everybody got stoned. No, I'm just joking. He did not. Not at all. Kev's always really good. Tomorrow morning. Kevin and Query, 7 until 10 a.m. right here on The Fan. 1075thefan.com. Make sure you sign up. You're forcing for our golf outing, too. 1075thefan.com. Do it. More of your chances to qualify for the Boston trip. The Jim Irsay collection. That's tomorrow. More bourbon and beyond passes tomorrow, too. James, great job today, brother. Trackside tonight, 7 o'clock. Otherwise, I'm back right here with you tomorrow at 3. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Have a great night.